With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, site manager, ever, Supreme Warlord, and defender of the faith over at OneFootDown.com on the Expedition Network. And joining me right now at this moment... The commissioner, Jude Seymour. The chief inspector is inspecting something at the moment. Maybe uh, joins us in a little bit. We shall see. Uh, Jude, how you doing, buddy? That sounded oddly sexual, and I don't know why I took it as such, but uh, I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Because uh, you're a middle-aged married man. That's correct. It all, it all goes uh, that route. Yeah. I uh, quite enjoyed the Off the Rails Naming of Names podcast and appreciated your um, reluctance to to fully board the Harry Houston hype train. So I assure that with you, I'm not looking for the guy to fail by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just saying he's been out of the game for a couple of years. Things have changed since then, and everyone was expecting a smooth transition. Um, we might not get it. And if we do get it, maybe... And you're... Maybe, just maybe, we should give Jeff Quinn some credit. Just thinking out loud here. I mean, and you're going to have to do it this spring without probably the most Harry Heastand player, yes. Jarrett Patterson. I, I, no, I know Josh Lug could probably fit in that category, um, considering that he was recruited by Heastand. But, I mean, Jarrett Patterson, um, you know, if you've been living under a rock, uh, suffered a weightlifting injury over uh, over the weekend. Uh, upper body, some uh, pec, Torres pecs require surgery. He's going to be out a little while. Uh, they they expect him to be back in time for uh, for the fall, but you know that that's a lot of time away from training, and 
you're not starting the season up against Marshall. It's going to be Ohio State. So, right. How much he's he's ready to go? Like I honestly ready to ready to go. We shall see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, I just, I, I don't see. I'm not sure why everybody's all. I, I know why, but I did. I I find fault in just blindly throwing it all in on he stand for this year, even, you know I mean? Let's see how this works. Most of these guys were not recruited by Harry. Uh, it is a difference in coaching and in culture. We're all hoping and, and many of you are expecting uh, better results, uh, but we'll see. Uh, and some of these guys are that we're going to depend on are young. I mean, Blake Fisher and Joe Alt, these guys are just going into their sophomore year. So, yeah, I, it's a it's a weird thing. I think most fans are. I'm glad you're with me, Jude, because I think there's, there's a lot of people out there that are just ringing the bell, thinking that everything's going to change overnight and or improve overnight or whatever you want to put it. And I'm just not sure that's going to be entirely the case uh, while hoping for the best. So two things. One is, did we have, are we aware of the timeline here? Is it a, is it considered a low grade tear or a high grade tear? Do we know anything about the recovery time here? The the recovery time that I saw was three to four months. Okay. So that's, so, that's a more mean, serious it, one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if, if, yeah, I mean, it's requiring surgery, so it's a little bigger, that, that's a bit of a bigger deal. So, I mean, let's just say, on the bad end of four months, you know, you're, you're into July now. July, yeah. Yeah. Just right after the 4th of July. Um, second question for you. Is and, this- you're, and you're going into all the, all the fall stuff without the, without any summer lift, you know, I mean, not any, I mean, it's not like your chair. Patterson is not going to do the Josh Foles and sit on the couch, yeah. uh, for three months, uh, just cramming Netflix shows down his throat, uh, while he waits and bides his time. No, he's gonna. He's obviously gonna be doing some things and rehabbing and all that. So, but he, it's still not gonna be. He's not gonna be anywhere near the level that you would want him to be in July, which is an important month to be prepared for. Right. My second question was: Is this the first chink in the Matt Bayless armor? Uh, is this the first time that an injury, a significant injury, has happened during a sort of the off-season weightlifting portion, and not say on a practice field or in a game? I couldn't think of another one. I can't think of any, but you know what though? That's not to say that it hasn't happened because right. Some of the injuries in season could be happening in the weight room. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you're just saying practice, you know, it happened at practice. Well, right. if you're not there at practice, maybe it just was in the weight room. I don't, I think I know what you're alluding to, but go on. So yeah, what I'm alluding to is, what you know? What sort of blame should should Matt Bayless take for the strain? Um, my understanding is that they have all sorts of technology that tells them what a what a player's load can ha- can be. You know what a player can handle. Um, you know how how fast the rep happened, how fatigued they are. Um, you know they they're obviously <clears throat> tracking sleep. Um, they know a lot about these individuals. Um, but there's something to be said, and I and I know, and as you know, I'm not in a uh, football room, but I I've been at the gym before with buddies, and 
you know, you get a little bit over your skis and you think, well, I can do this because I got a crowd rallying around me or whatever. And I'm not saying that's the case here, but, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe Jared Patterson was asked to do too much. I mean, that's pure speculation on my part. But, um, Here, you know, ultimately, here's the, my the opinion respons- on that. The, the responsibility comes down to the strength and conditioning coach to say, um, no, this is where you should be. And, you know, don't don't exceed, you know, what's what's safe, I guess. All right. I, I, I get that and I can accept that, but I also, I also offer this take sports out of it. Take the fact that you have a rooting interest. Take the fact that you think you have all this technology about a bodies and all that and put yourself in a blue collar workers situation, going to work every day, doing a hard job. Sometimes shit just happens. Your body, sometimes bodies just don't react well. For whatever reason, you maybe it was a a half inch difference between what you're doing one way or the other, but things can just happen. You can tear all sorts of things pretty quickly with heavy weights, just for whatever reason. I mean, it's just it's not not everything has to be like the, like broke down to a this is the re- this is how this happened. Sometimes, literally, shit just happens. And when you're, like I said, when you're dealing with big bodies and and heavy things, shit can happen real fast in a hurry. And it's, you know, basically like, like there's a no fault thing. It's just bodies can re, can do this. We're this we're not machines. And if anyone's ever driven a a car built in the night from the 1980s, a car will you know machines will just break for no reason too. So I just uh, it's. I don't know, man. I, I there there was some chatter on some message boards uh, about, and I think that's kind of where you were going with a little bit where there was was like oh, this is a Bayless problem, but it's just it, what I haven't I haven't seen enough evidence across the board to produce you know to produce an opinion about that as far as like an opinion that says yeah this might be I just right what what I do know God is in that- his mysteries. We uh, we worked very hard in the offseason to recruit Jared Patterson. I, I say we, uh, you and I didn't have a role, but you know, I'm saying the proverbial, the royal we, uh, Notre Dame. Well, we can't admit any role. Yeah, <laughs> Notre Dame worked very hard to to recruit him back, and obviously, um, you know, losing his offseason uh, while he recovers and has surgery has certainly changed the trajectory of his, possibly changed the trajectory of his. Um, of his of his final year at Notre Dame and also probably his uh, NFL thing. So hopefully uh, we have a yeah. we have one of the better um, rehabs. I think JJ Watt had a torn pack and has managed to uh, come back okay. I believe there was an offensive lineman from the Steelers. If if uh, Brendan was here, he would know exactly what I was talking about. Who had a torn pack? Um, I don't recall what happened with him, but I think he was all right too. Um, so we definitely have ex- examples of guys who have ripped a pack in. Um, and, and actually come back and played played about the same. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's I mean that that's a tough injury. I mean, honestly, for any football player, but for an offensive lineman, when you're just if you're not familiar, I mean, just watch the way the watch the way you play. Offensive there's a there's a punch drill that you do because that's what pass blocking is. Uh, you know, I mean, I, in high school, in a lower level, you could probably get away with 
just kind of dropping your arm and, and driving a little bit. Uh, but that doesn't work in, in big boy football in, in college or in the pros. Uh, it was a lot of punch motion, a lot of pushing back. Uh, and a lot of that power resides in your upper body there in your pecs. So that's definitely something that they need that, you know, <laughs> we need him to recover uh, in the best possible way. Uh, but I just thought of another one, uh, Dante Hightower. I don't know if you remember him from the the Patriots. He uh, he tore his back yeah. a couple years back, and then actually I think made a Pro Bowl after that. So I Anyways. I swear we had one at Notre Dame not too long ago. That I I'd have to dive into it, but that. So if I just type in the first thing I thought of Notre Dame breasts, I should probably get what I'm looking for. Is that what you're saying? I I don't, I think you're going to get what you're looking for, but not exactly (laughs) what you need. (laughs) Uh, So I, I want to say it was a few years ago that 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 was, but I could be wrong and definitely have been before. So one of the, I guess one of the silver linings, if there are any at all, is that this is spring. We haven't even got to our spring practice periods yet. And so, I, you know, Notre Dame needs depth along their offensive line. There's no question about it. Um, when Jarrett Patterson went went out in 2020, uh, went out with an injury after the BC game. I think he played the whole game with the injury. And then after the BC game, uh, they shut it down for the year. And Zeke Carell stepped in. He actually played pretty okay. Um, it, actually, it stood up. You know, I'm playing against Alabama better than I would have anticipated. Um, but, you know, Zeke Carell's still on the roster. So, you know, you pretty much count him in as as kind of a proverbial pencil in for number two. Uh, but also guys like Pat Coogan um, and maybe even Andrew Kristoffic. And then you think about what that does with the uh, with the guard rotation. Uh, if you do, you know, pull some reps with Kristoffic. What's that do about Rocco Spindler and the guard, Josh Lug and the guard? There's, I mean, there's all, I guess there's all sorts of ways that they can look at it. Um, you know, and, and the, the really not the nice thing about Harry coming in um, is the nice thing about any new coach coming in. It's kind of a, it's a new set of eyes uh, to kind of readjust the talent, like to put the guys where they think is they're going to do the best job. They have no prior you know, no, no prior commitments, no prior promises. It's just like, we think you're going to do best here. This is where you're going at. So like the thing with Alton Fisher, right? Who plays left tackle, who plays right tackle. Sure. You know, he's standing, maybe looking at that a lot different way than Quinn did. did. So, you know, and I can, I can, I can't sit here right now and tell you what's the correct, what's the correct way. I can't say for I can't say for certain if it should be Fisher or all at left tackle and vice versa at right. I, I, I just can't. Um you know, maybe after a spring of seeing them, I I would have a better opinion of it. Uh but you know, that's for an offensive line coach. That's that's part of what they do, that that culture and that kind of being around the guys all the time. You're 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 filling in the pieces where they need to be filled in at to create the best offensive line you have. So I do like a fresh set of eyes. Um, for a year like this, um, so it just—it's a little extra spice when you got your fifth-year, uh, you know, All-American center uh, getting <laughs> out of the mix for a little while. So does uh, does That's Phil really Steele knock it? 
does Phil still knock us down in the rankings uh, now that we don't have that returning? That doesn't count. That, that doesn't count. Okay. He's okay. still returning. That totally counts. All right. I mean, with Phil Steele, it doesn't even matter if you suck, right? Like North Carolina, all their their whole offensive line sucked. Yet they're all coming back. So somehow, somehow that was a big, big uh, boon, you know. Although Phil Steele must have an in with with the AP committee. He must call around or something because his his preseason AP predictions are scarily accurate. And uh, I, I, you I, I argued just, with me. I argued you argued with me last year about that. With you last year, and I, I, and I, I told learned, you, I told learned you, not to, I told you, learn not to learn that the hard way. Do not do that. Do not do that. You won't find anybody. Lo- that is less interested in Phil Steele than me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I used to listen. I used to buy that magazine religiously. It was a huge part of my off season and a huge part of my season. And after about like six or seven years, you realize like he really only puts in like two more sentences for each little part. Like there, there's barely anything new in there. Like if you actually said, print out the things that are new, it'd be a pamphlet, not a, not a big catalog. <laughs> and so I got, I got pretty uppity about that. I thought, man, this is some fucking shit. If I tried doing this every year. So anyways, it's, I just think it's a, it's, it's a bunch of words. Uh, and they don't, they only, they only adds a few little things, but some of the things like the power rankings are okay. And his AP prediction has been pretty dead on. And I totally respect that. I mean, that's, I don't know how hard or how easy that really is. I mean, you kind of have a good guess about what the AP committee is going to do, but our voters are going to do, but he's been pretty damn accurate. And so I'll just go with that. He has Notre Dame at number six. The AP is going to have them at number six. Sounds good to me. That means when we lose by two touchdowns in Columbus, maybe we only dropped them like 13, which would be a, which would, you know, which, which would be a hard, so here, let me ask you this question, Jude. Sure. Steele has us at six, right? Mm-hmm. That's, well, he says the AP will have us at six. There's a difference right. between what he thinks and his projections. And we're that, that's pretty exciting, right? Like top ten, right? Right, so close to the top five. But if Notre Dame was to start the season out ranked number thirteenth, would you have a massive argument against that? I think that was just way too low. No, no. First of all, I, I I don't put outsized importance in in preseason rankings. Um, I, I I right, but just really, just just for the argument's really, sake. Uh, no, I mean that's that's fine. Um, I think first of all, you could definitely build a national championship resume from the thirteenth position. Um, would it be easier from the sixth position? Of course, but um, you know, being thirteen, if you if you beat Ohio State, you're gonna you're gonna jump up immediately. Uh, it's probably over where you deserve it, depending on where Ohio State ends up in the year. So, um, yeah, I, I don't care about 13. 13 so, see, fine. And, and that kind of leads to my point. Like, like, I'm not trying to project Notre Dame losing in Columbus. I'm just I'm just saying a thing just just so it's it's thought about. Notre Dame is number six in the country going to Columbus. Say they lose by 13 points. I guess best guess would be the AP would probably drop them down to around 13. I think that's a seven spots first week. There's not a whole lot of things. I think they shuffle that around, say 13. That means you have the entire rest of the season to crawl back up. And if you say, well, the playoff, when we get to the playoff rankings, the AP, whether they admit it or not, those rankings that are out there have an initial effect on what they have. It's, it's subliminal, right? 
It's just like, would the playoff committee have had Cincinnati ranked as high to start off their rankings if the AP and coaches poll didn't? I, think, I don't think, I think there's so. A case to be, yeah, I think there's a case to be made that the answer is no there. So, I, so all I'm saying is that is that if you start the season off ranked that high, you have a little bit of you have a little bit of rope. You just do. So if you if you lose your first game on the road, you got plenty of time. Even with a schedule like Notre Dame's next year, which is not the greatest, but you still get Clemson at home. You know, you you got USC. Who fucking knows? Everyone thinks USC is going to be some uh, revelation next season. And if Brendan was here, which he should be here in about nine minutes or so, he would he would repeat what I'm saying. Tell me uh, about correct. their offensive line and tell me about their uh, their linebackers and secondary. So, yeah, it's it's a rare time when Brendan, uh, our buddy Brendan and Bruce Feldman are spiritually aligned, but that is actually one case where uh, they're dead set agreeing with each other. Is that so. is is Bruce on that too? Yeah, Bruce wrote a whole article that said, you know, I think it was after one of the, yeah, I think it was after Caleb Williams had, uh, you know, committed and everyone was like losing their shit, and he just said, look, I, I watched this team. It's it's way it's way deeper than. Uh, the need for a five-star quarterback or, you know, which they've had, I mean, it's a receiver. Yeah. They just, they have so many holes. Which they've had. Yeah. Um, I mean, of all the things that's he needed, a five-star quarterback and a, an elite wide receivers were not on the top five list. Like those are things that they get no matter how good or bad they are. Uh, Yeah. It goes a lot. You're right. It goes a lot deeper. So my recollection is that Ohio state, lost his opening weekend to Virginia Tech in 2014 and then won the national championship that year. If that's, or yeah. maybe the, yep. uh, they national, yeah, they won the national championship. They, yeah. Yeah. So look, <laughs> you can definitely come back from it. Oh, uh, was there, it was their second, yeah, it was a second, it was week two and they lost by 14 points, which is like not insignificant. Right. But I think there, I think there's you, something to be said to be losing, you know, if you lose, if you lose by 14 points at home, that's a big, that's a big ta-da. I mean, just look at Notre Dame in the Cincinnati game, right? Yeah. I, I you, just, you don't of, come back um, from that. I was thinking of uh, Oklahoma and what was it? Houston, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Who who was it that they played and they just absolutely got housed first week and they were just like, okay. And they just sort of got written off after that. Um, That's, they, that seems one right. Of Baker Mayfield, one of the Baker Mayfield years. Um. Yeah, they lost to Houston, let's see, 33-23, and then lost to Ohio State 45-24 in 2016. Everybody's like, okay, they're done. Um, you know, I had a pretty good season that year. Uh, ended up number three in the coaches, number five in the AP. Um, look, obviously, lo- losing two out of your first three is going to keep you out of the playoffs, but um, it wasn't like at one and two, they were they were considered dead-dead, and obviously they had, a, they had a perfectly fine season. So, um, yeah. Don't, if you lose to Ohio State, just don't get don't lose by a thirty, and um, you should be fine. And don't let Ohio <laughs> State go nine, and don't let Ohio State go nine and three in the season. Because I mean, it's it's one thing to lose to a team, um, you know, that runs the table or goes, you know, only has one loss during the year. It's another thing to have a team that struggles um, or just doesn't look right. good. And everyone's like, and then you just you listen to that for eleven weeks. You lost to Ohio State. You lost to Purdue. You know who lost to Michigan I mean, even, State. Lost to Illinois. You know, yeah, I mean, even a three. Even a three-loss Ohio State team, I don't think you're going to get that. You lost to Ohio State, kind of thing. You're it's still Ohio State in Columbus. You lost to the worst. They, Ohio they, State they, they've earned a lot of respect over the years. 
UMass Ohio, Ohio, Ohio State's State one of the few schools. in 12 years. Yeah, I can hear it. Trust me. I'm making it for people. Oh, I can hear it, but I, I would I I don't think most people would have that thought. I mean, regardless, you're in Col- it's in Columbus. Yeah. Uh Heisman Finals quarterback. It, it's look, we're gonna it is gonna be an interesting offseason. Because we're all, cause, <laughs> because when you have these these years where your first game is, is such a high profile game, that's the only thing you talk about that yeah. offseason. I was at uh, the last high. I think it was. I think it was at the last high-profile uh, season opening away game. Didn't go so hot for the good guys, but uh, I was there. So. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. Texas, the Texas season was declared well, back. Dude. <laughs> the season didn't go well. Well, I thought we. I thought we were watching two two juggernauts. It turned out we were watching two old ladies hitting each other with handbags. So, uh, did not realize, but mistakes were made. Very. Uh, very accurate. Very accurate. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, hey, let's get to some business here. Just a reminder, everybody, get on over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating. Please drop a review. Whatever review that you leave, I will read on the next OFT podcast. Uh, it's important to us. I don't, maybe it's important to nobody else, but it's important to us. Uh, so drop those ratings. Give those reviews. Uh, we got one here tonight from Clashmore Mike 2022. Earned five-star rating. Uh, five stars. Love the show, guys. Such a happy alternative to the negative, egocentric, douchey shows that, quote-unquote, break down the greatest college football team. Now that Freeman has a staff, minus Tommy, having one foot out the door already. Uh, this this review was written about a week and a half ago. <laughs> uh, do you feel better with this staff for recruiting and the upcoming season than the previous? Any concerns with the sure turnover of this type of staff? We'll have due to hiring all up and comers. Uh, I actually feel pretty good about the recruiting chops of the staff. Uh, I think just initially, you know, with Notre Dame holding a number one ranking in the team rankings, uh, uh, you know, for the 2023 class right now says quite a bit. How much they hold on to them, I don't know. It's a kind of a hold on to your butts kind of a scenario. Um, you know, a guy like Keon Keeley, right? Like, just because he's committed to Notre Dame doesn't mean people are going to stop coming out, you know, coming after him. And as long as he's taking visits, which he is, uh, that's a hold on to your butts deal. Um, so we'll we'll see how this finishes. Um, I would, I definitely want to get like more into mid to late summer before I really have much of an opinion, because that's really starts to see the time where your class really starts to solidify one way or the other um, right now in spring. And I can go back years and there has been great optimism across, you know, on, throughout most springs we're in this guy's top three, blah, 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 blah. I mean, there's all sorts of good shit going on. And then like, the floor kind of bottoms out uh, come June and July. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I like the guys they have on staff. Um, I like, you know, the hires that, that Marcus Freeman has made. Um, are good recruiting type of guys. And Marcus Freeman is a recruiting head coach. He's not a Brian Kelly, sit back and wait. Um, whatever style that Brian Kelly has, it's like the opposite of what Freeman is doing. Uh, so, you know, I, and I like that. that. That means that's there's no stone left unturned, um, which is all we can really ask for, right? Like if a kid makes a decision to go elsewhere or he flips or whatnot, 
in the past, I think there was a tendency to start throwing fingers and blame. Uh, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't we do that? I think that will, that's going to come to an abrupt end where it's just like, you're going to, people are going to have to realize you're not going to get everybody you want um, all the time. And sometimes kids just want to go somewhere else. There's just, and there's no coming back from that. Uh, and I think that's a good place to, I think that's a good place to be in. Like if you put in all the work that you possibly can and he's still, uh, the recruit just still decides to go somewhere else. I, I can't be, you know, infuriated by that. Uh, like, like you could with a Brian Kelly regime when you know that there was, uh, things that weren't done or, or, or left unsaid or what, or whatnot. I think, you know, here we have a little bit more of, um, this closure, uh, to it. Judy got opinion on that. Yeah. W- one thing I, I just wanted to add to what you said, which I agree with is, um, I don't think we, we mentioned it when it happened, but about a month and a half ago, um, they, they gave Chad Bowden, the, the, the new title director of recruiting who's previously def- director of defensive recruiting with Aaron Carney being kind of the head of everything. Um, Everything I've heard and read about Chad is that he is just an absolute workhorse. He's a young guy, very energetic. Recruits seem to love him. Um, he came over with Freeman in Cincinnati. He is Freeman's guy. Um, he just um, he lo- he seems to love the job. The recruits love him. They 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 talk about. Um, I think there was a Matt Freeman article from Irish Sports Daily where the recruits were kind of talking about. He's fun. He's like, it's like talking to a friend. It doesn't feel like you're being recruited. It's not, a, it's not a hard sales push. You just actually look forward to, to talking to him. Um, I, I don't worry because I know that I, I've never met the man, but I don't worry because I, I know that we have Chad bone. You know what I mean? I just, I think he does. I think he does great work and maybe some of it isn't tied back to him, but I think um, I hate the phrase, if you know, you know, but I think, I feel like it's one of those uh, situations where, um, the people who are involved know that he is, uh, um, you know, part, part of the getting the wheels going. Um, so, uh, bigger credit to him and also big credit to all of the, all the young bucks on the, um, on the Irish coaching staff that have really bought in, um, who've been just asking a bunch of questions. What can we do? What can we, you know, they want to, they want to be outside the box. They want to, um, challenge the status quo. They, they don't, they're not used to Notre Dame's kind of um, buttoned up persona and they're looking to see what they can legally um, do to, to get recruits <laughs> uh, to, to hear and get them interested and get them excited about the program and also make their visit as comfortable as possible for them and their families. So um, look, it takes, it takes a village and you've heard me say this um, nonstop but it's not just uh, it's not just the athletics department, right? It's fighting Irish digital media. It's the compliance office. Um, it's um, it's uh, support staff, athlete, uh, academic support staff. Um, it's all these people who are coming together to make the pitch about Notre Dame. Uh, you know, sometimes it's Jack Swarbrick and Father Jenkins for Christ's sake. Uh, sometimes it's a it's a great uh, student host uh, who's probably a football player, but also his his roommates, right? So. Um, you know, with Chad, with Chad leading this operation and, and with all of the people um, that I know are there, um, many of which are excited about Marcus Freeman and his energy and are kind of feeding off of that. I don't worry about uh, recruiting um, as much as I did during the Brian, kind of Brian Kelly era where uh, the status quo seemed to be, unfortunately, those stories like Carter Carl's wrote where it was like, I don't have any relationship with Brian Kelly. The, the man literally never talks to me. 
Yeah, you know that that Carter Carl story. I I think he, I think five ten years from now, I think we're still going to talk about that. I went on a um, on an ACC podcast last week. It was on Friday. Can't remember which day it was. But I think it was Friday. And I had brought that up on that because I think it's just it's so important for people to understand because when they're talking about Brian Kelly and his recruiting chops, I think it's important for if you're asking the question for you to understand what things truly were. And look, it was so on the nose that the fucking, that the school kind of blackballed the South Bend Tribune for a little bit. Like it was, <laughs> it was so on the button that, that, you know, that, that hit close to home because that was something that they, you know, does not paint Notre Dame and their head coach at the time. And they good, good light at all. Um, it was kind of, you know, blindsided him a bit. But like, if that's what you're doing, then that's what you're doing. I mean, so if if that embarrasses you, then you needed to step the fuck up, right? One hundred percent agree. It's I. So that that's that that article from Carter. I think that's just that is important. That sheds as much light on the whole Notre Dame recruiting effort throughout the Brian Kelly area as much as you can get. And I think it's also it should provide some optimism for people knowing that. Look, as good as things have been, and they've been good, they can still get better with a little more work if they're willing to put into it. And it seems that this staff has that mentality. So um, as far as the other question goes, concerns with the turnover, yeah. I mean, anytime you got a, a, a bunch of new staff members, there's just a whole lot of questions. How do they gel? Uh, I think the the age difference – between some coaches and the others is is a real thing uh, because I think uh, how a staff gets along and communicates uh, definitely you know can help define what your team is doing on a week you know on a weekly basis. Uh, but that's just one of the you know this happens all over the country. It's just that Notre Dame it's not it's not special. Their staff turnover every you know somewhere every year. Um, it's just, for us it's just funny because we had expected so much less turnover than what actually happened. Um, and so I think we're in a way, we're also kind of catching our breath a little bit. Uh, but Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame allowing, you know, all these assistants to get in front of the media and answer questions, I think has people generally more excited about these moves uh, than scratching their heads. It, it, you know, how much that really, that's going to relate to the field you get to be seen, but for right now, the excitement's real, and it should be because um, you know a lot of there's a lot of good stuff that could, could, the potential for the staff is pretty good. I would also encourage our listeners not to conflate, conflate what I believe to be two different ideas: um, staff leaving to join Brian Kelly and staff leaving in general. Okay, so I think there was a lot of thumping and beating of the chest when there was there was little exodus um, joining Brian Kelly, and and I think Brian Polian being the probably the, the example, uh, as a, you know, Jeff Quinn, maybe, uh, maybe some minor analysts here and there or whatever. Um, and so people kind of said, Oh, no one's leaving. We're, we're keeping the band together or whatever. But when people started moving for other jobs, sometimes that's a reflection of Marcus Freeman's differing vision, um, for that position group or his need to put his own guys in there or whatever. Some of that stuff is not, um, sign a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. So I think that, you know, let's let's remind ourselves that Brian Kelly did not rate our our um, coaching staff and that our coaching staff, when they did leave, 
it was because of a decision made by Marcus Freeman or because of a better opportunity elsewhere. So that's well, what, right. you know, that's what you have at Alabama and that's what you'd want. Yeah. I mean, ask Alabama how their turnover works. Cause that's like <laughs> constant every year. Right. Uh, so, I mean, look, Alabama should not, I mean, it should be the poster child for every program out there, but is that how, is that how that works either? <laughs> that's a whole different monster, but Jude's absolutely right. So, so it's it's on spring's coming up we're gonna see a whole a whole lot of this stuff and see how the pieces start fitting and that includes the staff and, and what they're doing now i know we've been talking about football but i just want to quickly pivot to the fact that i'm very very excited that the Notre Dame hockey team managed to beat wisconsin tonight and is now advancing to the big 10 east uh, I'm, I'm Big Ten East, Big Ten semifinals, Big Ten hockey semifinal. Where did I get East from? I guess because they're playing Michigan. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea where I came from. But um, so the series starts with the Ann Arbor. What at the end of probably the end of uh, this week. Um, but the idea yeah, that they, they dropped the schedule. They dropped the first game and then won the next two was was uh, was probably more than hockey fans probably wanted to. Uh, to deal with, but uh, well, it, it confused the it confused the shit out of us, or it put a wrench into what we do. Um, we were not prepared for a third game, <laughs> and then <laughs> quite literally, uh, Billy got the recap up uh, after the game because we were like, "Who's got this?" Like, "Oh shit, I don't know. Uh, I can't. Can you?" Uh, and so then Billy got it up, and then just a few minutes after Billy got it up. Uh, Lauren's got to post it in the editor for a recap. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay. So uh, we were not expecting a three-game series against Wisconsin, uh, but honest to be honest, I'm kind of glad. It's one of those weird things where you're kind of glad you get a loss out of the way before you hit postseason time. You know what I mean? Like it's not a bad thing always to to get a loss out of the way. Uh, and for Notre Dame to get that first game loss to Wisconsin, maybe it kind of wakes them up a little bit. And Notre Dame is four zero against Michigan this year. Two of those games came up, or no, two of those games were up in Ann Arbor. Uh, they were overtime wins. Uh, it's so we're heading back up to Ann Arbor, um, hopefully to stick another, you know, hockey stick right up their asses because there's nothing better than beating Michigan in anything. Yeah, I mean, you, you absolutely want to play Michigan too, right? Like the the they've been for a long time the standard bearer for Big Ten hockey. I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been sad if it had been Michigan State. No, I, of course not. I mean, it's I just, know, and have but, another game and have another game in, in Compton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have took that. Yeah, um, I think they led for, uh, for well the majority of the game. I think they scored in the first period, and never looked back. So, in terms of hockey fandom, uh, I think if you're a fan, you breathe a little bit easier tonight as opposed to uh, to last night's game. Oh, but yeah. uh, and I, I'm saying this, we're taping on Sunday night, so you know, adjust accordingly Saturday night's game versus yeah. Sunday night's game, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, great to see them continue on. Um, men's basketball is getting the number two seed in the ACC tournament. Before, is, before you move on to that, I want, I do yeah. want to make another note about Notre Dame hockey. Go for it. The big Ten network fucking sucks. <laughs> that fucking call from last night when Janicky scored the, the winning goal with 20, like 24 seconds left in the fucking game in game two, where you absolutely had to have it was just basically like, oh, hey, look, he scored. And we're talking playoff hockey, game winner, 
that that's the game right there. I mean, less than less than 30 seconds left in the game. That's the fucking game. And it was just like, eh, look at that. Like, what the fuck, man? Meanwhile, Compton's just fucking turned inside out. Yeah. And it's just, it's a bad, bad look. You know, all these games, this isn't even on Big Ten Network. It's on Big Big Ten Network Plus. Notre Dame fans throughout the entire college hockey season have been mostly treated to games on Peacock. You know what I mean? It's been easier access. Who the fuck has, I I guess I do. I guess I got a Big Ten Plus (laughs) subscription, (laughs) but I can't imagine... Many Notre Dame fans out there have one uh, because there hadn't been a whole lot of hockey games on there. I just, it sucks. Big Ten, Big Ten sucks. Big Ten Network sucks. I, I hope to God uh, we can win what, our third Big Ten championship in the last five years, which would just be, it's just the funnest thing to say. Uh, so on to it. Those Minnesota teams are tough. Pick a Minnesota college and they're 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 tough as nails. It seems like they're like, a little bit bigger than everybody else. It's just, it seems like a different brand of, of college hockey, whether it's Minnesota Duluth or, or the Gophers or, or Minnesota state. Uh, I don't know, but anyways, but yes, continuing on. Uh, Notre Dame has got the number two seed locked up or it's locked up for the ACC tournament. Notre Dame will await the winner of Virginia tech versus the winner of NC state Clemson. And I think that game's on Thursday night. Uh, this week. So just sit back for a moment and before the season started and have someone tell you, Hey, Notre Dame is going to finish number two in the ACC. I think everyone would be pretty excited about that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And yet yet, here we are. I mean, it's just, it's still like a, a nine, 10 seed ish look. It's just like, what a, what a weird year where you're going to be the number, you're the number two team in the ACC. And uh, you're looking at like a nine seed. Like what? Yeah. I mean, where were we at this point last year? Calling for Bray's head. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Screaming that we had, we had to win the tournament. (laughs) You had to win the ACC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. Right. Which it started off great with beating like Pittsburgh, but then <laughs> slowly deteriorated yeah. into nothingness. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, know, you know what? I wouldn't mind get. I wouldn't mind getting a little revenge on Virginia Tech. Uh, that regular season loss this year, dude, Notre Dame led the entire like until like the last thirty seconds of the game. Notre Dame had led every second of that game. That was the first and, uh, game. That was the first game after New York got legalized gambling. At, and I was like, oh, I'll put some money down in Notre Dame or whatever. I was like, fuck. <laughs> Why did I do that? I fucking blame you. I think I laid like. That's your fault now. What was it? Four or six points? I don't even remember. It was just uh, oh, so awful. I didn't even take a money line. Not that it would have mattered, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. So who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get a little extra ACC or uh, ACC tournament podcast on OFD uh, later this week. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what. But I got on on the schedule. Maybe I can coax uh, Pat Rick to uh, to to get on the microphone for for a half hour or so, and let's let's pregame it. And then because uh, um, this is I mean, okay, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm done. I was just gonna say the the women their tournament is actually already over, which is crazy. Um, I mean, not crazy that it's over, but just crazy that the women 
the women's tournament happens while the men's tournaments, while the men are still in the regular season. But um, they lost to Miami, who had beaten Louisville, and everyone was psyched about that because yeah, Miami's on a tear. Notre Dame got absolutely housed by Louisville at the end of the season. Um, turns out Miami's as much of a buzzkill. So um, <laughs> I was reading a Matt Green's coverage on our OFD, and they were he was saying that they probably won't host two games with Purcell because they won't be high enough C, which which is a bummer. I mean, I think that the you know with with the exception of maybe last year, you know, Notre Dame fans have kind of looked forward to those you know, first two games and then, you know, bringing in the other teams to get some things going for a Purcell Pavilion. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So the road is tough in the LIV's second year. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, it's an improvement from last year and you just, you, you just want to get, see the improvement to get back to where Notre Dame was, uh, you know, with in the Muffin. Look, it's, She's gonna. The woman's gonna have a statue, out, you know, at Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, that's a hard act to follow. That is, um, that is hard. That's hard act to follow. Ask Bob Davy how that goes. <laughs> uh, ask, Jer- ask Jerry Faust how that goes. Yeah. Uh, if you would have called a vital. Ask, ask Hunk Anderson where, how that went. So. Yeah, fo- following legends is just uh, that, that's a that's a tough one. Ask uh, John McLeod how that goes. Oh wait, he was. <laughs> He he was there for a blink of an eye. Or no, it's Doherty. Uh, Doherty. McLeod. Doherty was there. Doherty. Yeah. Yeah. Blink of an eye. Anyways. McLeod was there forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, oh, shit. three coaches during my time, which is funny to think about because I had McLeod, then I had Doherty for a hot second, and then I actually had Bray at the very end of my tenure, which is funny to think that Bray's still at it, but because I've been it for for forever. It so. wasn't at the very end of your tenure. Wasn't your senior year? Wasn't that the year that they uh, Notre Dame flirted with the Big Ten? Like Mike Bray was actually told, like, th- and this is true. Mike Bray was actually told Notre Dame was joining the Big Ten, and and uh, there's a great interview with Bray about about that, about how he kind of like started to look at how things were going to have to change, yada yada yada. But wasn't that wasn't that right there at the beginning of his time there? So my recollection of that timeline, and I could be wrong without looking it up. Was it 1999? Was it was 1999, yeah. And Bray didn't come until 2000 or 2001. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let me just look to make sure my. Yeah, 2000. I wonder what the hell that Bray interview. I'll have to look that up. But I I know Bray has talked about it before. What I think that. I recall hearing about Bray was Bray learned about the Notre Dame football team joining the ACC um, from another head coach during a basketball game. Wasn't that a story? That could be too. That's, I mean, that sounds like a, a way Notre Dame works. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfectly reasonable. Or I just made that, made that up myself. I'm not so sure, but, but uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, but that you know what? Better. It sounds accurate enough. It sounds like, right. I, so let's go with it. I didn't even bat an eyelash. Print, print, print the, the uh, print the myth. Uh, speaking of myths, let's get to uh, let's get to the combine, June. Yeah. Let's get to what the people. Let's get to what the people want. Um, first off, and we can spend just a minute or so on this. 
Jack Cohn is going to get drafted. Jack Cohn is going to make Notre Dame fans proud. Jack Cohn had a sub 540, which is something to really party about. I mean, it sounds like he could outrun Tommy Reese and probably the South Bend cops in a foot race. So congratulations <laughs> to Jack Cohn. Is that too soon? He's it's the crossbow Jack Cohn. Cause he, yeah. he's got, he can move. He's got, he's got a little pedal, got a little pedal. So yeah. So, I mean, reports coming from, I mean, Jack Cohn showed well, interviewed well, showed well, uh, I, I said in that story, I said, look, if if I put up the over under of five seconds for people to, to bet on, uh, I would bet, you know, most people would have took the over of five seconds for Jack Cohn without question. And then people will be broke. Uh, so, uh, you know, although it's not an impressive time, it's impressive enough. And speaking of impressive an impressive uh, entrance, the chief inspector, Brendan McAlinden, just in time for combine the combine talk. talk. What's going on, brother? Uh-oh. He's getting himself hooked up, I think. He's getting himself hooked up. All right. <laughs> He'll step in. But, yeah, Jack, I mean, Jack Cohn, we do not, we so not do, have to spend much more you, than a minute on him. I used to be a subject matter expert on this, but I have not looked at it at all. Have you seen any seven-round <laughs> mock drafts that have Jack Cohn in, in the sixth or seventh round, or is it supposed to be better than that? I haven't that? looked at any mocks past two rounds. I have looked at any mocks past two rounds. Okay. Because we're getting to about the time that guys like Chad Reuter like start going four, five, six rounds, you know. So, yeah. Now that the combine's over with, that's definitely going to be uh, something that's coming out. So, Brendan, can you hear us now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm here. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. We so uh, just got you don't done. think you don't think Jack Cohn's going to get drafted in the uh, in the Seventh round by I'm, the. Uh, I'm calling fifth round. I'm calling fifth round Jack Cohn. Holy cow! Fifth round? You're the you're the one fifth who overestimates round. when when uh, quarterbacks get taken though. So I suppose that's fifth round. Fifth round Jack Cohn. I, I heard you. I heard you. There will be, be because this because this draft doesn't have the elite quarterbacks of the past. It's going to be a little different in the way it's picked. So like Jack Cohn's going to come on like the second. Second and a half wave of quarterbacks. It's going to come in that mix, but it's going to be they're going to be closer together and the bunch in the middle rather than start and end. Jack Cohn also has the skill set. He has the skill set that um, is advantageous for being a career backup, though. Too like he can come in and and run an offense cold off the bench, hand the ball off, throw some play action passes. Yeah, I mean, you drafted Doug Peterson. Would you draft Doug Peterson in the in the fifth or sixth round? Yeah. He uh, he availed himself well in the Shrine Bowl, right? Yeah. He's won a lot of games as a starter. Yeah. I mean, Jack Jack Cohen's had a lot of positive things written about him over the last uh, month and a half, uh, away from the South Bend media, um, <laughs> and certainly away from Madison. Uh, so. We'll see, we'll see where all that leads to. Uh, but Kevin Austin, I, I mean, I think of all the of all Notre Dame's prospects down at the down at the combine, maybe Kevin Austin had the, I mean, he had the best combine of all the prospects down there. I, in my opinion, and is that a maybe? No, I mean, it's not, I don't even think it's a maybe. I mean, I'm pretty sure he did. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, it's it is getting some. It's a different it's a different uh, trajectory, I think, now for Austin than it was pre combine. What do you think, Brennan? Do you think? Uh, I guess the question going in was kind of. <laughs> It, it, it wasn't really a matter of like uh, we weren't discussing which round, but there was there was you know, an active possibility that he might not have been drafted, that he might have gone as an undrafted free agent. I think that was a very real possibility. And then he goes out and he performs with the sort of uh, performance that he has not only, you know, in in the 40, but also with, um, you know, his uh, ability three, to three cone jump three cone. Yeah. So. I think the discussion now is sort of pivoted to does he get drafted before Kyron Williams? Is that is that <laughs> is that an absurd statement? Well, okay, no, so here, I don't here, think so. Here's this is this is what I want to I want to talk to you guys about. Um, how much is what you can watch on tape versus what you saw at the combine? Because Kyron Williams had by I think we can all agree a bad combine yeah. but he has much better tape than kevin austin much much better better tape than kevin austin significantly better i guess my question to you jude to, to toss it back then is <laughs> when you're talking about taking a player in the third fourth fifth round you're not talking about like an instant impact guy in a lot of situations maybe with a with a high third round um you might be looking at that player as getting an immediate impact but a lot of times guys taken in that part of the draft are sort of like projects. And if you're an NFL GM and you, you're just looking at the measurables of, of a guy and you go, you know what, I can I can do something with this. And, and maybe you'll get an OC who falls in love with his measurables and is like, you know what, I, I can do something with this. I can develop this. But with a guy like Kyron Williams, where probably the the best Notre Dame running back of the last you know 25 years, right? Um, right. I don't think his tape means as much because when you're drafting in that area, because nobody's, you're not really drafting the running back of your future there. You're, you're kind of taking a flyer on a guy and maybe they, the guy that they're taking a flyer on doesn't have the kind of tape that Kyron has, but has better measurables. And that's not to say he's not going to get drafted. He will get drafted because he's a stupendous running back. But when you start getting into that area, don't you think, is that is that something that you could see or no? I mean, so here, I, I guess here's my thoughts now that we have have all Kyron's tape got the combine. Any thoughts of him going like? And there were, you know, some discussions about him going maybe second day, you know, kind of somewhat high. Um, but I think we can put all that to rest. We're talking about a late third to early fifth round pick. Which is fine. I think the biggest biggest thing for Kyron Williams is as I if you go and watch his tape, you go and you look, he plays faster than a 40 time um shows. And, and there's just there's a style to his game. And he does a lot of other things well, such as pass blocking, such as receiving. There's a there's a lot of things that equate more than a 40 time. So the biggest thing for Kyron Williams is is getting drafted somewhere in that range. And hopefully at that point that's a team that knows what they're doing with you rather than just taking the best of what they think might be the best available back. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a difference between taking the bet, what, what the 
draft's best available player is and taking the best player that's adaptable to your system and what you're doing with your team. So I think Kyron could be in a good position where, you know, once he gets in the camp and get and gets put to work a little bit, he finds himself, a, you know, a role. Is he going to miss out on some of that money? Absolutely. The combine, there's no question about it. The combine hurt Kyron. And it, it, I think it's going to come down to a matter of who values game two years of game tape over, you know, half hour of test results. That's going to be, and, and that just, and this isn't game tape. He didn't play for Toledo, played for Notre Dame. So you, you're scheduled, you're going up against some better, some better teams. You know, how is that all going to relate when you're sitting down and you're sort of evaluating what your team needs are? I, I just want to add, I don't think that he can do anything at the pro day to recover from what he did at the combine. I don't think anything, any, no. anybody puts anything, any stock in the pro day numbers. I think everyone understands that they're, they're manipulated in favor of the student athlete that you're trying to uh, get drafted higher. And even if he runs faster, it's networking. It, it won't be believed. So the Jalen Elliott not- effect. Yes, correct. I think we can call it it's that, not- right? We can call it the Jalen Elliott effect. Of I think course, yeah, absolutely. Because that was the most disparaging oh. uh, forty times <laughs> pro day time. I, I but, it, but it's a, it's another I mean, chance for the for the for the teams you, you, to get a a closer look and to talk to these guys and to kind of like figure them out a little bit better. I mean, I, I think the thing is you you can't you can't time. run you can't run the slowest of twenty seven running backs who 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 did the forty at the combine. You can't do it. You can't be number twenty seven. That's just, I mean, 20 is maybe you could hide a little bit, but 27, I mean, it's just like, uh, you just, I would, I would love for him to say that he had something, you know, that he pulled up lame or something, but because that's just, that's not at all what we expected. Uh, not what I expected. I don't, I won't speak for you guys, but it's not what I expected. Um, I, I mean, I didn't expect, I didn't expect him to like, I didn't expect him to run like Miles Boykin type number. You know, I mean, I didn't expect that kind of combine performance out of Kyron. Um, Did you fa- expect him to run I, as fast as Dexter? Well, shit, I didn't. Ex- I mean, I I would have bet money that Dexter was faster than his forty time. I would have bet a lot of money and been broke. But <laughs> you know, so I mean, so take that for whatever it's worth. Um, I mean, I think personally, I think Dexter Williams is. Just watch the game tapes. Watch that. I see Dexter's faster than Kyron on the field, right? So I mean, <laughs> so I did, but I, I guess I just did not. I didn't expect uh, Kyron to to be anywhere near like that, the top half of the running backs uh, in the forty time. But I certainly wasn't expecting him to be dead last. So that's a. Uh, you're absolutely right, Jude. That's that's a hard one to overcome. But I mean, so let me ask you, do you still expect, wh- where do you expect Kyron to go? Like, like well, just well, random round right now. Are you, are you say, are you thinking like a fourth or fifth or are you yeah. thinking he drops like rock? I think fifth. I think fifth. I can see, I'm, I'm, I can see I'm notoriously bad at this, by the way. So, so please don't anyone get upset at me and say Kyron Williams is a third round pick. What are you like? You're an idiot. All you have to all you have to do is go back and listen to the podcast about Drew Tranquil. Yeah, you know exactly. that Jude is 
is bad. Very bad. And I also, <laughs> and I will also do to Kevin Austin what I did to Drew Tranquil, which is I think his injury history is problematic, and I think that missing a year is problematic. Um, all it will take is one one organization to not find that problematic, and you'll get what you get, right? So well, I, the good the good news that you pro- you say problematic is I say well less miles. Where you say problematic, though, I, in, in some ways, I think you can pull a positive. You know, there's not as much wear and tear on Kevin Austin on the field as miles. a guy who's, who's played three years. The good news for you, Jude, is that um, while you are self-professed bad at this, um, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay are also very bad at this. Yeah, and they get very bad lots of money because uh, well, their meteorologists, mock traps are, are, meteorologists are fundamentally bad at their job, and they also get well compensated too. So, you know, yeah. So I spent an inordinate amount of time on Kevin Austin, so I guess that's where I'll focus my thing. Right? I tried to, I tried to um, figure out, and I've got 22 years of data here, th- thanks to my stathead dot com subscription, um, where I can actually figure out, I can do a range of heights, weights. Um, you know, 40 yard dashes, verticals, bench reps, which Kevin Austin didn't do bench reps. So that wasn't really broad jumps, three cones, shuttle. A lot with a lot of people. Yeah. And then I'm basically looking at a list of, you know, 32 guys in the last 22 years who have put up numbers who are similar in size and weight and have put up similar numbers. Right. And, and, and and, And it runs the gamut, right? You've got Charles Rogers, Picked uh, first by the or second overall pick by the Detroit Lions, first round, 2003. Uh, you guys, guys that you've never heard of, you ever heard of Chafee Fields, the wide receiver for Penn State? I bet you've heard of Chris Brown, the wide receiver for Notre Dame. He's on my list of 32. Um, but the, the the one thing I keep coming back to is there's no guy who caught as few balls as no, it's Kevin Austin, and I'm not saying. You know, oh, it was close. You know, Kevin Austin caught 54 balls for 996 yards and seven touchdowns. The next guy caught 60 balls or whatever. Like Devery Henderson is the is the lowest guy on this list of 32 with 81 catches, and uh, he went second in the second round with the 50th pick. But I think he was a little bit a little bit different, just a little bit different. So, most of these guys, I, I would, you know, if I were to do the mean on this, I, most of these guys caught 150 balls in college and had about 20 touchdowns. So, I mean, you're looking at a guy like, uh, um, you know, DeMarco Simpson, DeMarco Sampson from San Diego State, uh, Andre Allison from East Carolina, went to the Minnesota Vikings. Let's see if I got a, I, th- I don't know that I have any Pittsburgh Steelers on here for, for Brendan's purpose, but, uh, or, well, I have Green Bay Packer. Yeah. Uh, Terrence Murphy, Texas A&M, yeah. got picked in the second round in 2005. So those are guys who are basically, um, around Austin's height, around Austin's weight and ran similar 40 times, maybe did similar verticals or broad jumps or whatever. Um, you know, these are all proven commodities. If you pick Kevin Austin, you're making a, you're making a fairly big gamble, right? You're saying, I love, I, you know, it's almost like the, the, uh, Oakland Raiders, uh, Al Davis, like falling in love with sort of the, the things that you can see in, in a testing workout instead of the things that you see on tape. Right. And, I'm thrilled for Kevin Austin that he had the combine of his life, and I think this is, that will only help his his thing. But you're still you still don't have a lot of tape to refer back to to understand who this guy is. But what what is the real risk in 
and this is what always cracks me up about um, late round drafts and when they start uh, trading the picks and, what's and the stuff. Risk? What's the risk of a fifth round pick? I mean, there is none because you. What percentage of fifth, uh, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks do anything? I mean, for every Tom Brady, you know, there's a 150 knots. Like not even 150, like thousands of knots. I, think, I don't think I think your point. I think I think that point is fair. Um, you know, but I also think that you know, and you're right. If if Kevin Austin is to be drafted, it's going to be in the the pick a flyer time, right? But I think the worst thing actually for Kevin Austin is to get picked in the seventh round because then he doesn't have his pick of you know possibly ten teams that are interested in him in the in the kind of undrafted free agent market. But he's he's stuck with one team, and if it really doesn't work out, then he's kind of behind the eight ball. So, actually, if if I, my hope for every Notre Dame player, and this started with Josh Adams when I started really paying attention to this, was if you're going to fall, I want you to actually fall all the way out of the draft. So if you go past the fourth round and you're Tavon Coney and people sort of scratching their heads, I actually sort of wanted you to go undrafted because then you can pick the best situation for you know you and your family, and not so much be picked by the Browns to be packed a squad player to later be jettisoned by but, the end of the summer. Is that always Patico though, Jude? What's that? Is the best decision for you is the best decision for you and your that you make for you and your family, is that always simpatico with the best decision for your career? Is it for and to piggyback Can off you that, see do you get there? four guaranteed years as an undrafted free agent, like you do if you get drafted. If you're drafted you have four years of guaranteed salary. I don't think that's true. Yeah, if you were drafted in the NFL draft, I think in 2018 when they redid the CBA, you get four years uh, guaranteed, and in the first, I think, two rounds, um, you have that fifth-year option. I'm well, pretty okay. Uh, well, four, you know, four years guaranteed money. First of all, I, I, I don't know that that's true. Second of all, I think that if you get injured and they can cut, if they cut you, I don't know that they have to pay you. I'm not. I don't, I don't believe that's the case, but I don't think they owe you your full salary. Um, but I, I do claim to not know as much about it as maybe you're uh, suggesting that you know about it. So maybe we'll have to look that up and, and figure out that later. But um, look, yeah, would you would you take a drop in salary uh, if you were under free agent? Of course. But there are guys, uh, Josh Adams was one of them, who, who got a signing bonus for, you know, for signing on. He was he was coveted. Um, by by several teams, and he picked the option that worked best for him, right? And the in the situation in which he thought he could look at the running backs room for each of the, the four places or six places or where, how many ever offers he had, and say to himself, "Where's the best chance of me making the squad come September first on cut down day?" Um, and as it turned out, not not immediately, but obviously eventually, he uh, made an active roster and he actually played some NFL games, right? So. Uh, right. That certainly that certainly helped him, as opposed to, you know, languishing in the Minnesota Vikings uh, locker room as their their fifth running back in a training camp body. You know, as a as an insider on the outside looking in, I I guess I, I look at I look at Kevin Austin, and I, the the first thing that after the combine, the first name that came to my mind. And, and this isn't an accurate um, comparison by any means, but I think it's accurate enough in that I, I see like a 
kind of like that kind of trajectory is like a James Jones when Green Bay drafted James Jones. Like what Green Bay does drafting wide receivers is a is a Kevin Austin type. You know they they've gotten you away with. Uh, I, mean, I I guess I wouldn't really want to throw him in the mix, but like they okay. they've just they've done some things over the years where it's as a Packers fan you're kind of like what, and then it, then they end up producing. James Jones will always was is, is a big one. He was a you know out of San Jose State was not a name that rolled off of every tongue. And, but he, you know, he look, Kevin Austin looks a lot like him, uh, in his, you know, in his game size wise and the whole thing from, I just, I think Kevin Austin did a huge thing for himself. It's not, not a lot of players can go down the combine and greatly improve their standing. Like, I think there's a lot of like, uh, a validation when you go down the combine, either validation or or jumping out of a building and you know, you get a handful of guys who really improved their stock. Kevin Austin did that. I think he improved his stock. And I think the other stuff that you're talking about, Jude are certainly things that will get brought up. And some of that has to do with the lack of his time, lack of snaps. But I think if you're like the kind of player he is and you like the kind of athleticism he has, I think there's a lot still to work with. And I'd rather have that than, you know, and I'm not saying third round. I'm saying here's a fourth, fifth rounder. Let's go. Get, let's go get him. Let's bring him to the camp. Let's go get him. Uh, yeah, I, just, I, I kind of see look, that scenario unfolding for him. I'm, I'm Mr. You know, do what's best for you and your family. Um, you know, if you want to go get paid, get paid. No reason to play in the in college for free. Um, having said that, if he had a 50, 60 reception, 1,000, 1,200 yard season with you know 10 15 touchdowns uh having returned i mean with a combine so like let me that, ask you he, this though he could be looking yeah, like would he, he have got looking go ahead would he have got that at notre dame with a michael mayer on the roster with a with a young new quarterback coming up would kevin austin have, have had the same type of opportunities as say wide receivers a couple of years ago um on the, it, you know, it, and, and, and to transfer for to transfer for one year while you have graduated from Notre Dame, just for that seems like that for Kevin Austin, there's just like, do I really need to do that? Or can I just go in the league and get this thing figured out? You know what I mean? If he Has thinks Kevin he can Austin play in the NFL, he thinks he can play in the NFL, right? Well, look, and he doesn't, I the think your thing may like, if he's confident in himself to what Josh is saying, going somewhere for another year, how much will that, you know? Right. I wasn't. I wasn't suggesting he go somewhere else for another year. In fact, I don't know that he's graduated, so I can't. Re- I can't recall what his status is. Oh but, yeah. Uh, what I was. What well, I was he's four years in. What I was suggesting was, um, if you have a guy with four four th- four four three speed on your team, and you've just you brought in a new wide receivers coach, and you're committed to the idea of making him a star unless your quarterback can't deliver or he clashes with the coach or something you know something external to him he is a he is a talent that you just like mayor uses a weapon in your offense and you and you get him open right right uh, but he, i think it's that, that, that unknown it's that unknown to him like yeah they have these things but like all this is all that's unknown to him 
So how right, much of a risk if, is he if, doing if that's coming back for another year to, to get him, possibly injured? If that's unknown to him, then so too will be ju- uh, um, jumping the degree of difficulty where everyone guard, guarding you in the NFL is a sauce gardener. But getting right? a paycheck. But getting Kobe a paycheck. Bryant. Yeah, but the paycheck again. The paycheck doesn't last that long, right? If you if you don't have the skills to, you know, look. There's look. I, I'm I'm just. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm playing. I, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate. I understand you I, have an arsenal look, I really of, what, want, of what blankets. I, I want it to work out for him, but, um, you know, and certainly if he gets hurt, he'll you know the team will cover him. Um, you know, it's much better to get hurt on an NFL team than it is to get hurt for in the college ranks. You know that that it, look. That's why I always tell people to to do, you know, what's best and go get that money. Right. So I'm just wondering aloud when you have a five catch season and a one catch season, and then you, and then you have one basically season of tape to go on and it's a 48 catch season for 888 yards and seven touchdowns. You really haven't, you haven't really just, you haven't distinguished yourself in any meaningful way. And so you sort of, you sort of get what you get. Right. And so, you know, that $2 million contract could have been a, maybe a 10 or $15 million contract, um, had you stayed another year and played healthy and, you know, but those are big steps. Right. And I think that's why we always say maybe it's, maybe it's well, I think, better to take the bird in the hand than to the bush. Right? I, well, I mean, I, th- I think you nailed it. I mean, like I said, I know you have an arsenal of wet blankets for it, but I just, I just think with, with Austin, with his history at Notre Dame and yeah, I'm, I'm positive that he's leaving Notre Dame with his degree with that in hand, with the question marks that you have, just as far as here's a, here's all new stuff coming at you for your last year. I just, I, I don't find it as idiotic as some for him to leave, but I agree with you. Like if he comes back and has a baller baller season, it's much better for him. But like take that away and against all the, all the things that could happen, you know, and that that's a decision that he had to make. And I think he, I, for some of us, that could be a flip of a coin or it could be easier one way or the other. Uh, but the biggest, one of the biggest things that he needed to do was to go down to the combine and show, showcase his athletic skills, and he did that, right? Like, like, yeah, definitely. He could, he could not have had the combine that Kyron Williams had. Like, he had to go down there and and show off, uh, really showcase him as a as an athlete, and he did that. So, as far as like his plan moving forward for the NFL. At least that part, he could check that off. You know, that's that's checked off now. Um, and now it just it moves on to, you know, at some point it's just how's he going to produce in practice and in the games, in the, in the league. And that, that'll be all be on Austin. And none of that's going to make a difference if he stayed another year or not. Kevin Austin wouldn't, is not going to be a different player. In my mind, he wouldn't be a different player heading to the league a year later than now. It's just a matter of, where his, where his draftability might be a year later from now. So we'll, we'll definitely see what happens if it was the right decision or bad decision. I think it's kind of, I, I just think that's up in the air. Um, but, <laughs> but definitely did himself some favors with what he did. Yeah. Just, I looked it up while you were talking. He, he definitely had a, tweeted out a picture of his degree in February. So good on Kevin for yeah. getting that to the green. All right, so let's go on. Let's move on to another player that uh, I'm saying could be the best player in the draft. I know one guy who would definitely say that. Uh, that's Kyle Hamilton. 
did not have 40 times he was looking for. Uh, and real quick, I think, it, you know, all you have to do is go look at it, at him running. And you saw, saw uh, a curve in the way he ran. And when you're talking about tenths of a second, hundredths of a second, that's a huge difference. Um, he knows it. I think the scouts that see it know it. I'm not sure it hurts his draft stock, but it does. It does throw up a little bit of red flags a little bit when you're running a, a four five nine and a four six one, and the, the expectations were, you know, better than that. You know, whatever that whatever that better is, I think there were expectations to be better, especially in a combine where we saw record breaking forties at the skill positions. I mean, record breaking, um, and then to go out and run a a well, let's just say a mediocre. 40 time didn't do him any favors, uh, but I'm not sure how much for as much as that hurts Kyron. I'm not sure how much that affects Kyle Hamilton. Right. Yeah. And you want to say, well, look at his tape. Kyle Hamilton actually has less tape than Kyron. Right. I guess it's, I guess the, the difference there is what's on that, what's on that tape. Right. So. Well, I, I mean, he had more of a freshman Kyron. campaign. I don't recall any. Campaign. I don't recall any national uh, college football writers clipping videos of the Florida State game and saying, "I can't believe a Kevin Austin here. He's a once in a no, no, once a generation wide receiver." It's just it, it's another. It's just another. It's another one I put in the folder of perception is king on everything, and so is time, timing. But I mean, Kyle's not Kyle's not dropping out of the top five because of his forty time. The girl. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty safe on that, right? Yeah. Correct. Uh, anything, anything else you guys got take away from, from Hamilton's uh, performance of the combine? I mean, he looked, no. he looked sh- smooth he, in his drills. I mean, he looks yeah, every bit of the sh- part. He showed up. He uh, did exactly what was expected of him. He, he could have run a 40 faster. Yes, but it's not, it's not, uh, it's not going to, somebody's gonna, not going to say, Oh, well, I was going to pick him fifth, but now I, uh, no, he's a second rounder. No, like if he doesn't get picked fifth, he'll get picked seventh. I mean, it's just this is the way it's going to go. So, right. He'll be the what third Notre Dame defensive player taken in the first round since 92 or whatever it is. Since uh, Brian Young. Yeah. Jerry Tillery, right? That's it. I think that's the list. That's the list. Brian Young, Jerry Tillery, and Kyle Hamilton. That is a yeah. And unfortunately, Jerry is a Tillery phenomenal stretch of time. Uh, hasn't been uh, that great, I don't think. No, no, you, you don't get to play Stanford every week in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Even when you're playing for the San Diego Chargers, and I do mean San Diego Chargers. <laughs> uh, anything from? Uh, from MTA's performance, he looked good in the skill drills. He did. He did. Yeah, I don't. So with, I don't. I don't know what a four point eight one means as a defensive end. I just I, for, I forgot to look it up. So what was what was Javon Curse's forty time? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I could look it up if you want. I I, I want to say it was like a four four eight or something like that. Javon Kurz ran like the freak, ran ridiculous. But <laughs> he's he's the first name that came up came to mind when you when I'm thinking 40s and defensive ends. Hmm. But I mean, he ran 
four point five eight seconds. Apparently, just the, he ran the same speed as Jordan Davis, right? Four point five eight seconds, apparently. Which is which is booking for a large man like that. Yeah. <laughs> what you what you guys think of that? What you think of old Jordan Davis trucking down that that lane? He definitely broke the internet for about uh, an hour, right? I just kind of thought it was funny because it's like, that's a big deal. But I didn't think it was break the internet worthy-ish. It's just <laughs> for a combine that saw a lot of speed. Um, I don't know. It was, it was very impressive. And at the same time, like totally forgettable. To say. <laughs> all, in one, all in one giant swoop to me. Oh, uh, man. So looking at the NFL combine, this isn't in the NFL draft coming up. This isn't a banner year for Notre Dame. You know, there, there aren't a whole lot of prospects that we're expecting to get drafted. So where are we at here? We got Cone, uh, Cone, Austin, Kyron, Hamilton. Um, that's pretty much it, right? Like we're, we're expected four draft picks this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think four draft picks sounds about right. Like, do you think, like, Jude, is is MTA a guy in your mind? That, that's a that's a free agent signing, right? Yeah, he's a um, he's a UD, what we call a UDFA, undrafted free agent. So, I call him a uh, an immense uptick in online traffic. Everybody's <laughs> searching for <laughs> for where these guys go. Um, who do we got? I mean, so. Who didn't get invited to the uh, to the draft that uh, will be showed out at Pro Day that has any chance at all of getting drafted? Uh, I don't think anybody. I think everyone who is – I mean, is Kurt Heinrich going to get drafted? I don't believe so. Uh, what about Kane Madden? No. I don't believe so. So um, I can't really think of uh, another guy on the list other than those two, right? Yeah. We so, got anybody coming back? Judy, you usually stay on top of that, do you? Don't you, the, the guys that transfer coming back for Pro yeah, Day, have we seen, seen any? I don't believe Katie's released a list, has she? It's on the 25th no. of March. I haven't seen anything official from her. On that, yeah. I just didn't know if the, if anybody had tweeted anything out yet. Is Dion McIntosh uh, draft eligible? Is he is oh, he coming yeah. back? <laughs> he's been away long enough where I think that's not a guy coming back. <laughs> well, you, you know, that's a Brian Kelly deal though. Unless he's banned from campus, you know, Marcus Freeman could theoretically bring him back. So, oh, that's right. McIntosh wasn't even a. Uh, I sometimes forget. I've, Forget that he's gone for a reason rather than wasn't his decision to leave. Let's put that way. <laughs> right? I think that was an academic thing, right? Or was it a sweatsuit for Macy's thing? No, that was KJ, right? Well, right, but he wasn't the only one involved in that. Uh, was yeah. he? I can't remember. It's funny how I block these things out. So, anyways, he's walk- if he's walking back, then he, sh- he should be there. And if he's. And obviously draft eligible, but well, I'm just saying, I think a guy like him, that 
he's just gonna be at Washington State's pro day. Yeah, I don't even. That's fine. I mean, did he play? Did he play last year? Dion? Yeah, mm, yeah twenty twenty one. Okay. 100, 111 attempts, five hundred thirty two yards, three touchdowns. Apparently. That's a, a Dion McIntosh stat line. It is. I don't think he's going to get drafted. Uh, so, hey, with. Uh, well, let's let's talk first about. What are you guys wearing? What T-shirts are you guys rocking right now? I got to tell you, home field apparel, homefieldapparel.com still has the goods and they are lovely. Jude, we are at the tail end of uh, a big new Saturday season three. The last week is, is coming up. And so I've got, I think it was eight weeks. So I've got seven new t-shirts and almost, almost put a stop to the Kansas shirt and glad I did not. Cause I could never see myself in the Kansas shirt regardless. Uh, but it's a pretty dope shirt. So we'll see who they unveil today. If you're listening to this podcast, they'll unveil one. But some pretty good. There's been some pretty good looks throughout this. That Gonzaga shirt I got is pretty, pretty fly. Uh, I really appreciate that South Carolina collection. Uh, just g- good stuff all around. And the best thing about Big News Saturday coming to an end is it's refresher season, uh, probably for the next couple of months. And hoping and praying uh, Notre Dame gets a gets a new addition. Uh, not saying they will for sure, but I think might be a refresher um, on its way. We'll just let's, eh, maybe a little inside info, maybe something something coming up. It'd be nice to get uh, one but, for um, sort of that March Madness season, you know? Yeah, just think I, it loud. Like they are a uh, based in Indiana. A company, and you would think basketball would have a priority. And so we're about to be the number two seed in the ACC tournament. I, I think a, a basketball esque refresher would be would be nice for sure. But if you guys are out there and you're like again, I've said this many times. If you're a Subway alum and and uh, your school just normally doesn't have any 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 cool shit in the bookstore or or online anywhere to f- buy, check out Homefield Apparel. They're adding schools all the time. Even throughout this, you know, the break from the big new Saturdays, they will continue to add schools. Um, and some of the best gear you, you can find. I'm with Eastern. There's a great Eastern baseball shirt there that I love that I wear. Uh, it feels like weekly, even though I, <laughs> it's not like that. If you uh, went to a school like Central uh, and are a heathen, uh, there, <laughs> there, <laughs> there is gear for you there. Um, and not only that, but it is some of the most comfortable apparel that you will wear. Very soft, very breathable, very cozy and comfortable. Jude wears a two-lane tuxedo like it's his job. Um, <laughs> and who knows? Maybe one day it will be. Uh, it's like you're like a mob uh, Brent, Brandon, I want you to be 100% honest with me. How often does your wife wear the Fire Up Chips uh, t-shirt? Uh, she's probably worn it a dozen times so far. All oh, right. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And how many times have you been allowed to wear the pit t-shirt? Twice? Uh, just once. Just once. <laughs> and what was the context of that? Was it was it the night they played in the Sugar Bowl against uh, Michigan State? It was the only time that I've ever worn it or, or been allowed to because she uh, cannot stand Michigan State University. So, 
All right. So we'll pull That's that a out. Great, once that every is a great years. time to wear that. Throw a little support to, to Kenny Pickett. Well, he didn't He's play. Right, but I mean, it's still some moral support. Uh, who's getting an entire NCAA rule uh, cast because of his actions? Cool. Yeah, that's slide. So, so get on over to Homefield Apparel if you use the code One Foot, uh, you will save fifteen percent off your first order. Uh, just go in and just be prepared to have a, a a credit card statement that you can hide from your spouse. Uh, just get it all, get all the goods while they have it. So. Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Check it out. All right, boys, we are in the spring. And I guess I got, I got that. Brendan, I got the name, the name pot off. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I definitely enjoyed the uh, the annual listing. Listing of the names. Uh, Great I, listing of the names, Ed, which, I, which I did forget <clears throat> to write down who was actually the early enrollees. Uh, so that was fun, switching between tabs like, a, like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't save myself with a mute button. No, I think I think Heinish is the only one that got you. Yeah, Heinish was. Heinish, he got me. He got me. It doesn't matter. You're gonna have a Heinish. Did you figure out how to how, how to pronounce Aiden's last name yet? No, <laughs> no, no. Which I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good with Hawaiian names, and so I. That's bad on me. I should be better at his name by now, and I'm not. But I. I guarantee you the next time I that I'm going to have to say it, not tonight, uh, but the next time I have to say it, it will be flowing. Are you ready? Flow. Kana Ina. Kana Ina. Kana Ina. It's K-A-Y-A-W-N-A-H-E-Y-E-N-A-H. See, the biggest mistake that he made Kea, was not. Kana Ina. Ina. Can I, I know I'm trying, I'm trying. Don't kill me. Aiden. What's What's his number? What's his number? Number two, 92, number. 92. I, yeah. See, he screwed up. Okay. Just, you just get the 47 Jersey and your AK 47. And you're <coughs> locked in. Literally you locked just, in for the, you could just do like what uh, Lou Holtz did with uh Tecumbe Bianca Batuka back in uh, when they were playing Miss uh, Michigan. And uh, Lou Holtz just famously called him Mr. B. Mr. B. Mr. See, I B. call him Timmy B, but that's my that's my lovable uh, name for Tim Brando. Whenever Brando and I get into it on Twitter, I call him Timmy B. Timmy B. Yakubatuka isn't that hard of a name. That Aiden's last name is a tough one. That's a, that's that's tough. That's tougher than Uyangale. So anyways, going into spring, definitely going to have to have a different center going into it. I mean, what are you guys' like, initial thoughts about uh, about what what we're going to see, what uh, what what we need to happen? Just kind of initial thoughts, you know, going into it all. Uh, I want to. I just want to see, and it's going to be difficult now because, you know, without Patterson, but I, I kind of need to have, I don't need to have it, but I would like to have it leaving spring solidified who's playing left and who's playing right tackle between all and Fisher. And I'd like to see the guards figured out. Cause I think Notre Dame success next year, more so than anything else um, can be predicated on, 
how well this line looks and is. I think that that has as much of an impact on Notre Dame's 2022 season uh, as, as anything else, because they have the the possibility of being very, very good. And if that possibility pans out, I mean, then we can start dreaming big. Right? Yeah. I mean, before you were on the show, Jude and I were talking about the offensive line a little bit. And I'd say, in short, you know, we're concerned might be a word, not not worried, but like there's some concern there or some or some uncertainty uh, as far as how all this works uh, this year. Uh, I, I have, and it, you, I mean, Brennan, you know, well, I think we have a few more doubts about the about he stand than most normal fans uh, or just or questions, you know, more concerns. than more than Tim Priester has. Or not Tim Priester, uh, Pete Sampson. More than, More Pete, than Sampson. Pete Sampson has. Yeah, Pete Sampson has no concerns. No, that's a that's a Joe Moore award winning line next se- next season, and yeah. it might be. It but, might. Be. I mean, I am not ready to <laughs> to throw that throw those laurels on it just yet. I I mean I think that it's it's a real possibility. Um, just the way Fish was able to come in and play, and the kind of season that. Joe Walt put together. I think it's very real that this line could be the best in, you know, since 2018. And not that's that a great that's, question. Not that that's necessarily a huge thing. Cause I'm not, I'm not totally sold on how good the 19 or the 20 or even last year, um, or especially last year. Um, but I, I think it has well, the that- possibility of being extremely good. I think that creates a great question. So let me ask both of you guys this. Regardless of left tackle, right tackle, it doesn't make much of a difference as far as this question goes. What are you more encouraged by? Are you encouraged by the ascendancy of Joe Alt throughout the season or the fact that that Fisher played so well after being out all season, uh, played so well in that bowl game? What what gives you the like more encouragement that this is gonna could be a good year for the line? Joe Walt, for sure, because Joe Walt was was that wasn't supposed to that wasn't supposed to happen in 2021. I mean, Fisher won the starting left tackle job. He was a top 50 kid. He's by all accounts an absolute phenom, probably three year guy. Um, and he was always viewed as that way. And Joe Walt was a high school tight end that had the, you know, uh, bloodlines that would say that he would be good, but nobody, I don't think, I don't think even Joe Alt saw coming what Joe Alt was in 2021. And with another year of Jude, what's your answer? Bayless. Yeah. I agree with Brendan. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. 
You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Okay. There's no I'll point be, in uh, improving I mean, I'll, upon I'll be, excellence. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll uh, I'll take the other road as much as I don't disagree with that point. Then just agree. I just I think it's well, no, it's highly encouraged. Look, Blake Fisher is a freshman who got his knee took out and missed an entire season and comes back as a freshman and plays pretty much as good as any offensive line <laughs> we had in the one game he played in the bowl game, and so. I guess on top of the – that gives me as much encouragement as anything else that next year is going to be fine. Like It's almost like Joe Alt got pounded into me, uh, <laughs> phrasing, uh, early <laughs> where <laughs> throwing throw the throw in the Brandon – or the, the Fisher into, uh, into the mix just makes it that much more. I don't know. I don't disagree with, the Joe, with Joe Alt being the answer. I just – I think uh, – but I think the fact that what like if we wouldn't have saw Fisher, like if Fisher would not have played in the uh, in the bowl game, I, you're not going to have as much excitement for what the offensive line could be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> like we're we're pretty pumped because now we have two young tackles that could be flip flopped left or right. Doesn't as far as in our minds right now doesn't really make a difference. You have these two studs that are young, ready to go out there and kick ass. But without Fisher's performance in that bowl game, you still kind of have a. I mean, you're you got this five star kid, right? That's going to come back and and play. But now we got some, you got some meat on that bone now. Judah, about you? Anything anything out of spring that you're that you're really pinpointing in that you want to see? Like some of your main things that you want to. Um, how they field enough wide receivers. <laughs> They have practices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, about the Bengal bouts. <laughs> um, you know, I've been the person most reserved on this podcast about Tyler Buckner. Um, I wish nothing but success for him. I want to see him. I want to see him. Uh, I agree with you in the naming of names that it is his job. Uh, he would really have to just fall flat on his face for it to be any kind of competition. Uh, he's presumptive a starter next year for Ohio State, so I want to see him. I want to hear the hype. I want to. I want to fall in love with the videos. Um, you know, just get me to the place where I, you know, coming out of coming into the shoe, I fully believe that we are going to not only be competitive but uh, win the game. So you want to feel what he, what you are hearing and hear what you are feeling, right? Correct. Borrow a, f- a phrase from the uh, great president, Selena Meyer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I, this, look, I, I've said it for years, right? Like, I, I believe spring is just like the most overrated time to, for media and fans to evaluate things. It takes away none of the importance that, that it is for the players or for the coaching staff. But I, I fully believe that fans and, and media members make way too much fucking hay out of um, all things spring. 
but there are some things that you just you need and want to see uh, to give you that good feeling going into the fall. Um, the hitting it on the head there with wide receivers. I mean, they're just they're not going to have enough. They're not going to have enough. Tyler Buckner, you just don't want him to suck. Uh, offensive line, you want to see that improvement there. Um, and for me, it's just like finding the combination of DBs. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of combinations um, this spring. And assuming that Tariq Bracey isn't going to transfer after the spring season, I, I know that's just, that's still a, still a half thought that's out there. Um, but just kind of like seeing how this is going to work, you know, who's going to be your nickel, uh, you know, how Al Golden's system, you know, how much, how different is that going to be compared to Marcus Freeman's, right? We, we talked a lot about, about it a lot last year with in a Freeman defense, you are putting these corners on an Island, like a lot and which gives them a chance to get exposed pretty quickly. Clarence Lewis was the, uh, unwanted beneficiary of, of some of that, um, last year, but with the return of cam Hart, um, the transfer into Brandon Joseph, you know, where does Houston Griffith fit in all this, you know, him between him and DJ Brown, like, I think we can assume Joseph is going to start at one safety. So how does Joseph and and Brown fit into this? Oh, and by the way, how does Xavier Watts and Ramon Henderson, who are two guys that were um, really coming on for Notre Dame, you know, in the middle of the season, uh, one, you know, after Kyle went down, you know, how does all that, how is all that going to work? What combinations are they going to use? What kind of rotations? Um, who is that opposite corner, opposite uh uh, Cam Hart, is it Clarence Lewis? Does Tariq Bracey make another run to be a starter? Who's your nickel back? I, I think the secondary, especially going, especially with that first game uh, against Ohio State, I think that's as important, <coughs> excuse me, as anything, is who the hell is, is covering these wide receivers that uh, they have down in Columbus. So, I don't know what exactly it is I'm looking for. I just want to see that they're they're coming up with something, right? Like you want to see solutions in, in motion and then take it from there. I don't know. Uh, Brendan, we were saying to, before you got on too about uh, the lead up to the Ohio state game. Like this is the off season. Like you realize that, right? Like just yeah. like Michigan in 2018, like every, everything is going to be about that first game. Which is which is which is great for me as a I love um, you know reading Pete Sampson at the Athletic, but not having if that game was in like you know November, not having to read about every game before it, uh, what this game means to the Ohio State game. Instead, <laughs> the spring the spring reports are going to be like. What does Tyler Buckner's what does Tyler Buckner's afternoon uh, mean for the Ohio State game? And we only have one of those uh, for the blue gold game where everything. But that's coming. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. Because after the combine, it's all systems Ohio State. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's coming. Every every bit of the offseason is going to be like he went to Starbucks and got a coffee. What does this mean for the Ohio state game? You know, like it's, it's, it's fully on. It's fully on. God, I almost had that completely out of my mind about what was that? Was that 2020? Yeah, it was 2020 game. 
everything was about everything. what X, X, Y, and Z meant for the Clemson game. My favorite was asking Pete uh, Sampson what the Cle- what the winning beating Clemson meant for the Clemson game. <laughs> yeah, yes. Although it kind of backfired in my face because then they played Clemson again that season, so there actually was an answer. But yeah, oh god, what a well trod narrative that was that was that, Oof. that was really incredible i i don't think i've ever been as annoyed with with uh media narratives as much as i was with that one for the entire year for, for and, me, i mean every game you couldn't narrative. enjoy you couldn't enjoy any you couldn't enjoy any kind of blowout win oh no or any yeah. kind, you couldn't enjoy things because they're they're right there like well, what does this mean for clemson that you beat South Florida to do nothing. You had to cancel a Wake Forest game. What does that mean for the Clemson game? Every defense looks suspect against Florida State coming back from uh, the COVID break. What does that mean for the uh, Clemson game? The only thing that can kind of be comparable is just everything leading up to the 19 Georgia game. Um, but that was only for really a week. This was just uh, yeah. two months of... I think and the I guess, difference too was that night that 19 Georgia game. I think the media narrative was mostly Notre Dame was going down there to get beat. Oh, not just so beat. there wasn't. Yeah, not just right. beat. Yeah, it was. Whereas, whereas, whereas 2020 Clemson. I mean, even even before the season started, even with a Trevor Lawrence Clemson, there was still some. Um, I want to say hope, uh, not like the media was hoping, but there was still some some thoughts out there that Notre Dame could certainly win that game. Yeah, uh, so that that's why they that's why they framed the what does this mean so so often because there's so much in the air. Georgia, everyone thought we were going down there to get our asses just throttled and and be on our way. So, but that I guess I'm looking at this off season to be just like 2018. I mean, every bit of it was about you know the Michigan game coming up. I can't wait to beat Ohio State and then be told two weeks later that they're a better team than us, just like Oregon. Uh, <laughs> last year and just like Michigan in 18, uh, that'll be fun. The, uh, reasons and reasoning should not always go together. And yet college football exists. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Something else that exists. This is Lent. So, oh. So hard. how are you guys enjoying your Lent so far? It's awful. Uh, I don't believe in uh, meatless Fridays. So I don't do. I don't participate. Oh, we do. And my wife uh, doesn't eat fish, and so I'm not making fish for myself. And not only that, but like, there's only certain fish you can make if there's too much of a fishy smell. I mean, it, it's what not allowed. Cheese pizza. Well, just like a mushroom pizza. My well, my wife hates mushrooms. Or a mushroom pizza. Yeah, there's there's no mushrooms or, allowed. I don't do tofu and I don't do beans, so that that's my own personal like the amount of pro. We actually ended up. Uh, it wasn't actually that bad. Um, what is it that we had? The uh, some sort of Italian uh, uh, Italian mac and cheese. What is it called? Um, Pasta. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's pasta, but then like <laughs> the Italians don't really do pasta, the mac and cheese pasta thing. gravy. No, but it, it's like it's a lot of part. It's a lot of um, 
pecorino and uh, there's some parm and Christy made it. It was it was phenomenal. But like I ate it and it was awesome. But when you don't have a protein at all in your meal, you're just when you're, you're not just throwing flat. that pulled pork and that and that macaroni and cheese. You're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the yeah? It, and it's Italian, so it's light on the light side too. So um, there was. And then on Wednesday, I didn't even eat until dinner time, because just yeah, I told I told my wife that I said because you had talked about how hungry you are, and I kind of chuckled and she's like, "What are you laughing about?" And I said, "Well, I think I think Brendan's going hard going hardcore." She's like, "What? Do you, yeah. She's like, what the hell do you mean?" I'm like, "I think he's taking it back to night. It's like old Lent. and yeah, not, not eating dusk. Yeah, it's it was like old Lent for me. Um, it was like the olden days. Uh, you know, we can't. You couldn't even have. Uh, couldn't have anything. And that's how we got delicious wheat beer. Not sure if you you're aware of how we got wheat beer, but we got wheat beer because of Lent and the Germans. Because supposedly the the Germans, you know, they love. They can't go a meal without bread. Um, and Lent was very hard for the Germans, so they decided to put wheat in their beer because you could drink beer. So they were just going to drink their wheat. And the Pope was like, hold the fuck up. You are not doing that. You can't put – no, that's against the rules. You can't do that. You it's can't. always the Germans It's always the Germans in the papacy. They're well, it is. It. And so the Germans said, all right, fine. We'll send you a cask of this wheat beer down to the – Then Vatican. you make a German a Pope and he quits. And, yeah, he did. <laughs> well, they, they said, we'll send you a cask of this beer and uh you know the vice beer and they said you have a drink tell us you know if we can have this well so they ship this this wheat beer down to the vatican and it takes weeks to get there across bumpy cobblestone roads and by the time it gets to the vatican you know this is supposedly the story it's like skunky it's all settled at the bottom it's like the most rotten beer ever and supposedly the pope took a drink of it and he said if you can drink this be my guest so the Germans were given wheat beer for Lent. And I love a good, I love wheat beer. Yeah. I think that's uh, the more refreshing of the beers that, that, uh, that are out there. Uh, all right. Well, our friend, our friend, Doug, Doug sat, sent, sent us along on Twitter, a, uh, a question he wanted to answer on the podcast uh, for Lent. And he wanted our top five fish sandwiches that are out there. The fudge? <laughs> there's first of all, there's five fish sandwiches that are sold. Are oh, you yeah. kidding me? Right all now? the fast food places sell fish, various right. bad fish sandwiches. I'm gonna I'm gonna disappoint Doug and say I've never had a fish sandwich from a fast food place. I would never trust what? a fast food place to give me fish sandwich. It's just a chicken. Oh. No, it's just a fish stick on between bread. Is is all that it is. It's it's a fish stick on bread. What? Look, you're talking to a guy that actively consumes Impossible burgers, so I'm not afraid of like thinking outside the box. But uh, thinking yeah, outside the too, bun, Jude. Yeah, yeah that's outside is, the. Fish is that's outside the realms of decency. Yeah, that's, okay. I, I will. I will hit. I will hit up a fish fry like no other. In fact, yeah. my local grocery store does fish fry pretty well. Um, and there's well, a he, place he did include that that does fish fry. Oh, okay, cool. That, I and I don't know where the tweets at, uh, but I think he did include uh, like your local fish fry, like as a as a choice. Cool. Uh, so 
I guess for me, I'll, I'll just I'll set it off. The, the the number one fish sandwich of all time, without question, without any debate, is McDonald's filet of fish. There's no question. Never it is the it. best fish sandwich out there. You cannot get better than I that. I don't see myself ever walking to McDonald's and saying, yeah, I find nothing on this menu that I want to eat more than a fucking well, Drew, filet of if, fish. Jude, if you were a fucking observant Catholic, you would on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, you would go up there twice and get their two fish deals. You mean if I if I believe in the the bullshit reasoning behind why we don't eat fish on Fridays? Absolutely. It, it, okay. Hey, tradition is tradition. All tradition <laughs> is bullshit if you think about it, Jude. <laughs> yeah, it's a social construct, right, Brendan? Yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, Notre Dame just has like the New Year, just like the New Year's Six. <laughs> So yeah, the number one is definitely a McDonald's play of fish. No one's going to convince me otherwise. Uh, number two, local fish fries. Now this is up for, it just depends on your, on your local. Just like, so my wife moving from where she was at in Decatur, Indiana to Hicksville, Ohio, Catholic churches, both got a K got a Knights of Columbus. Those are the guys doing the fish fries are in Lent, right? There is a considerable difference <laughs> in your fish fry dinner from one KFC to the next. Uh, and I cannot say that Hicksville's stacks up well to some of the other ones out there. Uh, but, uh, but I'll go with just a, the two number two spot, be a local fish fry, uh, because it's mostly good. Uh, number three, Arby's dude. Arby's is always going to be the most underrated fast food joint out there. Uh, with the best food. Uh, number four is Wendy's. And <laughs> number five is Captain D's. Now, there, I, was, there was a place in Fort Wayne called Fish of Stroh. I uh, had a few locations. Uh, I'm not even sure they're even open anymore. Another amazing place for a fish sandwich. Dude, Bob, Bob Evans has got them. Like, especially during Lent, restaurants will, will, will offer this. I think that's how Arby's even got into the whole... Uh, Fish things. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm sort of opposed to the idea of a fish sandwich, mostly because, and, like, I, I've enjoyed a fish sandwich before, but it's supposed to be something like fish. When I think of fish, I think of it's like a lighter fare. And, like, I, I like fish and chips, but I'm more of a fan when you use like a lighter batter, like a tempura, because it allows the, the fish to better, uh, it blend, it marries better with sort of the way that fish is. Well, and I think it's the, it's the difference any, in the fish too. And any I mean, time, but yeah, but at any time it's on a sandwich or something like that, like it's, it's breaded, it's breaded fish on bread. It's like bread on bread on bread, uh, which just like chicken me. sandwiches. Yeah, well, the chicken sandwich wars; those are those are breaded. That's true. No one's but fighting those, over grilled chicken sandwiches. But but the good chicken sandwiches, the non McDonald's chicken sandwiches, like the ones that the wars actually take place with, those are all like big, giant, juicy chunks of chicken breast that are breaded in there. While most fish sandwiches are like, well, I mean, you know, Chick Fil A's hammered thin Chick, haddock. Chick Fil A's chicken isn't as isn't as big as as Popeye's or KFC's. 
like on their chicken sa- sandwiches. That's, true. that's yeah. not that's not a big of a piece. And I would and I would still sit here and I will still stand here and defend Chick Fil A over over uh, Popeyes. Uh, I so. don't think you're wrong. Yeah, they're oh, consistently too. Because I've had Popeyes where the it's been the best chicken sandwich I've ever had, but like 75 percent of the time that I have it, it, there's like too much breading and the chicken's dry and it's not good. Right. I, and I'm a KFC defender, anyways. But the KFC uh, chicken sandwich is is fucking fantastic. I mean, it really is phenomenal. Uh, in fact, I would rather have that than anything else at KFC. Um, and I, I'm not, a, I'm not a person who sit, who normally sits there and, and denounces KFC and and takes up the Popeyes flag. But that KFC chicken sandwich is pretty damn good. I don't know if they do a fish sandwich. Wouldn't believe that the KFC does, but I don't know. Get those get those Lent numbers. You never know. It's a big business. Big business. So, I don't know. That was, I thought it was a great question. And I, but the first thing that comes to my mind is just hitting up McDonald's and getting that two fish fish fillet meal. Uh, don't they make them? Don't they make basically a Big Mac of fillet of fish now? I've seen that. That's a thing. I, I think I there's saw a. It. They do that now. It's they started <sighs> something like the, uh, you know how every every fast food joint has like a secret menu, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what it yeah. is? You can only get it if you order it on the McDonald's app. That's what it was. And I've I would okay. never download yeah, well, McDonald's an app for a fast food restaurant because that's that sounds <laughs> that sounds well. It sounds like you're ready to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the road no, to hell was paved with good intention. <laughs> McDonald's is uh, is promoting like the off menu items that you can order there, like as menu items now. Like there's some weird shit that they got going on that they were saying that were like always like classic like off menu items. Which is bonkers to me. Like why would you put something <laughs> off menu when you could make money off it on menu? Like Arby's you don't have to get people got, to download your app. There it is. Ar- Arby's has got a, uh, I don't want to call it the monster, which is, is like a, a double down from Hardee's. Dude, it's it's like, I don't know, it's like six, seven inches. I mean, I don't know how you eat it. It's fucking insane. Uh, but I didn't believe I didn't believe it existed. Guy from work kept telling me that it does. He ended up grabbing it before he came into work work one night and i'm like what the fuck is that he's like this is what i've been telling you about and it is just it's giant cost like 10 it's cost 10 bucks uh but it's got the got all sorts of shit on it you gotta be like a reticulated python in order to get it to your mouth like unhinge the jaw yeah i'm not see and i'm not a sloppy like i don't like sloppy food like you look at like some of these restaurants that have these giant big ass sandwiches or burgers or whatnot like if that thing like in bite two is going to be like destroyed and all over my hands, like I don't really want it. Well, the Popeye's sandwich is like that. It's very slippery. Right, right, right. Where a Chick-fil-A's is very neat. Yep. It's why, it's why I like burritos. Very neat packaging system. Can I talk about something non-food related that really grinds my gears about Ash Wednesday? Uh, yeah. You can always tell uh, who the Catholics that don't shower uh, the next day. <laughs> no, 
I don't like it when the priest doesn't bother to make the cross and instead puts his fucking thumb ashes on your on your head. And then you're walking around with this freaking thumbprint Blotch. for the remainder of the day. The blotch. Oh, yeah, Joey B had that. Uh, Joey Biden was walking around with just the blotch on his forehead the, the afternoon. A lot of the, come, a lot of times I think it depends on wh- on where you're at in the order. Like if you're at the first Ash Wednesday service and one of the first people up there, I think you get more of a cross. But if it's getting close to the end, it is just thumb on, thumb on. Like they are making fingerprints. <laughs> And that rheumatoid arthritis. DNA on you. You're starts. literally dropping your DNA. Yeah, that was, that's just, I walk, there was, a, I was at a conference and the ashes were across the street and a lot of people walked back and they just had the, th- they just had the priest's thumbprint. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not getting the thumbprint. <laughs> I just said no. Like put, like put some effort into that, would you? Yeah. I don't even definitely. think the, the, the priest at the, uh, um, I-94 carpool lot that offers to do ashes in the, in the, you know, parking lot off the highway, uh, is lazy enough to just do the thumbprint. They got that, huh? Oh yeah. Catholic, yeah. Catholic priests of America, listen to my podcast and heed my <laughs> advice. <laughs> Make more of an effort with your cross. Lift higher cross. Anyways, you know, it's funny. You, I'll make, I'll make a, I'll make a, uh, I'll make a complaint about the Catholic Church that isn't of any consequence as well. <laughs> so let's do it. Uh, so uh, speaking of Lent, which leads up to Easter, most of our Easter's, um, oh, the last three four years, we go to uh, Saint Pius up in up in Granger. It's where my my wife's family. It's where it's where they go. It's where Brian Kelly. Nice dicks uh, up there. So supposedly went. It, it's a really nice church. Brand new. Uh, they just built a brand new one uh, a few years ago. Uh, it is very untastefully, tastefully done. But when they're going around with the holy water, it is not the orb and scepter uh, water thrower. It is the like the old school broom, like <laughs> like wheat oh. broom. Yeah. Just drenched oh. in holy water and like just, when they dip the uh, the palms from palm sunday and they just whip it around Is even more so about? than that yeah this okay. I mean, it's, yeah it's coming they at could, you buckets in they buckets. could probably do it in hicksville if your wife didn't uh corner the market on all of the holy water in the city <laughs> we've been out and she's been kind of like she's been up my my wazoo about uh when we're getting some more as if it's my job Secure her black market holy water for the house. Josh, when are you gonna get her fix? <laughs> Mom's gonna have to taste. Mom I, was, to I, taste. I was gonna say, I hope you looked at her straight in the eye and said, "Don't get high off your own supply." <laughs> I have a I have a pastoral council meeting this week, and so I will I will hit father up. Uh, so what you're saying is you know a guy? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I know I think I know a guy, a priest. Uh, so yeah, at the at the, uh, at the meeting this week, maybe I'll uh, be able to get some of that. I'll I'll take the we got the we got like a six pack of the white bottles that say holy water on it, and go there and but we don't have a fountain, right? Like a lot of Catholic churches have big fountains, you know, in the um, in the nave or whatever. Hicksville doesn't have that. So like if you like if you went to that church, you just you know drop the bottle in a few times, 
you got yourself a supply. I got to I got to go hunt this down and get it from father. So. You know, what? I think it's funny. My, my parents owned two bottles of holy water from the Holy Land or Medjugorje or one of those places on Rio de Janeiro. I have no idea where it's from. But they're just in like Poland spring water bottles and they sit in the basement. And I always wonder whenever I pass by them, I always wonder, what are they going to do with that? Like when they die, is Shoot. it going to be my responsibility to, to do something whoa, 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 whoa. with those? When your dad gets no. a new golf clubs. <laughs> no, 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 you are. You, what you don't realize, Jude, is that your parents are perfectly prepared for the upcoming apocalypse. <laughs> and that is that is just like having. A couple cartons of ammo down there. They are fully yeah. prepared to fight the demon hordes. It doesn't have to be in a fancy. Is this an episode? Uh, is this the uh, lost episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? What's going on here? Possibly, yeah. I mean, they're ready to go. They can they break their, that out at any time. Yeah, they got a couple of boxes of, uh, you know, 38, and then they have uh, some cans of spam, and then their holy water. They're set. Oh my god. That that is being a survivalist. A little I mean, pokey you're just, stick. You're ready to go. A little shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that sounds perfectly normal to me. Oh, shoot. <clears throat> can I can I talk about something? I don't that care. Wasn't on the agenda. We didn't uh, have an agenda. I said <laughs> <laughs> nobody could tell. I would like to talk about something that is very controversial that caused a very heated discussion between Brent and I last week, and that is of course the minting of the Irish Players Club NFTs. Oh no! Oh Jesus! It's going swimmingly, right? So, I, so let's recap for all everybody. You're outnumbered on this podcast hasn't hasn't been pay, paid attention. That's fine. And I, I, I you know, Ryan Ritter read a Patreon post that was slamming them too, and I don't know, whatever. Um, I actually have no. I actually have no. Like I have a less of an opinion. I like I don't have a hard opinion on it. I just don't care about it. So, so here, but, so I mean, here, here, to that end. Here, here. Okay, so let's talk about this. So the Irish Players Club is a the brainchild of the Yoke Gaming people, and that would be like people like Mick Asap, his brother, um, was it Hank, um, Nick, Nick Weischer, uh, guys who used to be on the Notre Dame football team, um, former players, right? And, you know, tacitly endorsed by people like Ian Book, Khalid Kareem, so on and so forth, right? And then current, current student-athletes. Um, they're 5,555 and I have no idea why, uh, um, I don't think that has any special significance in her name. Um, leprechaun arts, uh, we'll talk about the art in a second, but the, they were $200 a piece. Um, there is, um, 75% of the proceeds. And I, I don't know that I could adequately define what proceeds means, uh, goes to the student athletes, uh, there's a, you know, sort of a base compensation that the opted in players who are, there's about 80 players who have opted in so far. Uh, there's a base compensation that they get, and then they get extra for showing up to camps and doing Q and A's, um, you know, paid posts on Instagram, hawking, you know, Irish player club mints or whatever. Um, they've done a couple of, you know, events. There was a, you know, office hours on Discord. There was a happy hour where there was giveaways of Notre Dame, authentic Notre Dame memorabilia that obviously encouraged people to buy more uh, of these uh, NFTs. And uh, we can talk about what an NFT is and and 
you know, certainly there's there's probably much people much better on the Internet to, to describe all this to you. Um, NFT does stand for non-fungible token, which means uh, it's not fungible like money. It's supposed to be unique. Uh, um, so let's just talk about it. I want to start off by acknowledging a couple of things. I don't believe that these have any artistic value. That's the subjective <laughs> um, point of view for me. I think they are low ed- low effort digital art. Um, I don't believe that they have any connection to any existing intellectual property or cultural trend, unless you consider the making of NFTs a cultural trend. Um, yeah. And you consider, I don't think leprechauns are exclusive to Notre Dame. I don't think this leprechaun looks anything like any leprechaun that I've ever seen, um, to the extent that it's wearing a letterman's jacket or has that's a cool. jersey so- that, that somewhat re- resembles a Notre Dame. That's fine. But obviously, they've got to be very careful about that because they do not have the the rights to do anything with Notre Dame, right? Um, I don't know, and I probably assume that I don't have any exclusive rights to the file to distribute and use as I see fit fit for the for the um, the one that I purchased. I do have one that I also got for free, so I have a total of two. Uh, but for me, it's not about the picture; it's about the receipt, which is an asset to me. Uh, the picture is a placeholder. The receipt, the receipt is a, the actual currency. Um, but I fully acknowledge that that receipt is a generous term for buying a link to uh, a, sp- a specific URL on a server. And if the server shuts down, I think I own a dead link. And I don't believe I have any legal recourse because I simply bought a link and they delivered a link. Um, having said that, I do believe it has a practical use. It is a paywall of sorts. You can sell it to somebody else and give them the same access that you once had sort of like selling your Netflix account. Um, I think I can envision a a future in which the blockchain becomes a popular, trusted way to verify the ownership of digital goods. Um, I can see people having, finding value in knowing the providence of uh, those goods. Um, And I also think that it's easier to form communities around them, which I think that the Yoke guys are doing very well. I think we are, you know, by nature of, all of us owning NFTs and being on the Discord together, it's created another community of Notre Dame fans, um, you know, who otherwise may not have found each other uh, on other places. Um, if if we knew who the artist was, uh, we could connect with the artist, and the artist would know exactly where his patrons would be, which is kind of a cool um, a cool idea. That the idea that you know, if you were a regular artist and you were selling um, your painting. Um, that painting may get resold and you may never know where your painting ends up. It could end up in private hands. Uh, certainly if it ended up in a museum, you probably would know that, um, you know, so on and so forth. Now the artist knows exactly where every single one of these 3,362 uh, NFTs that are out there so far is. Um, having said that, I don't know who the artist is and I don't, I don't particularly care because to me, again, I don't really find them. I find them kind of ugly, to be honest with you. I don't put them out on, uh, on uh, Twitter, I don't, you know, you'll never see me publish mine. Um, I don't think that they have any rarity to them in terms of what they're wearing. I don't particularly care enough to figure out if they do. Um, I know that they don't f- physically deteriorate unless the, you know, the, but the server obviously could cause a deterioration. Um, I know that there are environmental costs, but the transportation, me going to get them is not one of them. Um, and I know that the original creator, again, more about NFTs than, than Irish Players Club in general. Um, if there was an artist 
Well, actually, it works the same way for Irish Players Club, which is every time that I sell this and it's subsequently sold, um, Irish Players Club will get a portion of that revenue. And obviously, 75% of those proceeds will go back to student athletes. And so I know I've been hogging the mic here for a little bit, and I'm going to give Brendan a chance to rebut here. But um, I think the reason that I did this was I've always wanted to find uh, a legal way to support student athletes in their name. And I know that my role as an alum has made me a booster for a long time and has subjected me to certain rules about, um, you know, giving players even compensation like uh, like a lunch, you know. And this is uh, an indirect way of getting money in the players' hands, which I find is uh, a kind of an interesting way to look at the NIL world and something I like to play with. For $200, for me, it wasn't that big of an investment. Um, I always encourage people to do their own homework and see what kind of level of investment, uh, which maybe not at all, is right for them. Um, but for me, it was something that I was willing to. If I never saw another, if I never saw a dime from it, I lost two hundred dollars tomorrow. Um, I'll have learned, <laughs> I'll learned a two hundred dollar lesson, but uh, it won't actually, you know, mean, mean the difference between me making rent or making a car payment or anything like that. So. Brendan, I've talked a lot. I've got many more points to make, but I just want to give you a sense of um, you want to talk about scams or Ponzi schemes or whatever you want to feel sorry how, about. How many um, how many fillet of fishes could you have gotten with that two hundred? Oh, that that's was, a good question. Oh my God! Right now, that's such a good deal. Probably I mean, that would have set you up for like the next fifty. What fifty? All of what? All of what? Yeah, yeah. I probably could have eaten fillet of fishes just for all of what? Yeah, that's, that's perfect, right? That would have been a uh, really good use of that money. And then write like another $100 check to something else. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from, Jude. Um, it gives the players the ability to um, you know, monetize and, and get money, which is always good. Um, I just wish it wasn't just wasn't NFTs. Um you know, there's a there's other ways they they could have gone about doing it, and this was kind of like maybe maybe it made sense because it's, NFTs are kind of trendy, you know, in some circles right now. Um, you know, with the crypto bros especially. Um, but I don't know, man. I just the entire idea and prospect of NFTs is it's not. I mean, it's it's essentially like a. It's it's kind of like a pyramid. I mean, we've been through that. Um, right. But somebody's, you know, it's just it's 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 a way for people to make money, and people yeah. make people are making money off of it. Um, sure. People are, you know, obviously losing money off of it. People are making money off of it. Um, power to you if you want to do it, but I I just I just find them kind of skeezy, and it makes me a little bit uneasy that um, you know when. And you see a lot of celebrities now starting to hawk them too, which then you should get red flags once you see the celebrities <laughs> popping up there. Who was it that uh, famously was like, was it Gwyneth Paltrow, I think, is doing it now? Uh, she's selling uh, Goop and uh, NFTs. So um, both of those are probably about the same. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just. I, 
I feel like this is no different than maybe the B. I, I know we've gone through this a little bit o- offline, but I, I feel like this is no different than the Beanie Baby craze in the 1990s or the dot com boom of the early 2000s. Yeah. I think this. I think that mm. you know, there's there. This is a, a, a craze. More, so, I, I wouldn't define it as a scam. I think that it could be considered a speculative bubble, which certainly may burst. And I think speaks to sort of my point about um, only invest what you you can afford to lose. Um, I mean, at least the Beanie Baby, though, didn't have the environmental impact of taking a round trip jumbo jet uh, per NFT or a uh, month's worth of energy consumption for the average uh, the average person. But I I got I I criticize I criticize this. this just very like like I think maybe one tweet out. And of course, you just you know, said you didn't get it. I just I, I said, here is one of those that here is one of them. I did not purchase it. Why am I posting this? Basically, like, yeah, I just I don't. And of course, I, you know, so I was getting called boomer and OK, you know, all this shit. It's just like, is it really that the fact that I'm old or is it the fact that this thing just is just a dumb premise like NFTs in itself? And. I just I have no no desire for any of that shit. And what I got hit back with from from a few people that you know that purchased them was this isn't about the NFT, this is about the access. Then okay, access. And they're like, "Well, we don't get to talk to the players and blah 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 blah." So the, people are looking for that in. I'm like, "Okay." Then I think that there is a there is a better way to package that and probably would have garnered you more money. If you want to package this off as a access to players kind of a thing, like people, there's a lot of people that would just look at that and be like, I want nothing to do with this like me because I, I don't care about it. NFTs to me are just like the, like, as much as I am against uh, cyber currency or don't care about it, just go ahead and triple or quadruple that with NFTs. Uh, it's on the same, same level, but even, even more so. But people are talked about. Had, so, they were looking for the act. So if you wanted to make a a club, a, a paywall, like Jude said, I think there was a there was an end for that without all the nonsense. But I can see how people think that's cool. People think these things are cool. Like I got Brendan, and I got I got Kelly Bloor. If I need some some fucking cool ass looking shit, uh, <laughs> you know, it just. You know, we got Bridget on Twitter. There's all sorts of cool shit that could be made. I don't. I didn't need one of five thousand five hundred fifty-five different versions of a leprechaun, just some random-looking leprechaun. Like that. That I don't know how any of that was a, a sell. Uh, but people talked about the access, and Judy talked about the community, and that makes sense to me. But this whole thing about uh, about receipts and tokens and and getting it from this fucking cloud server and all just seems like a whole lot of nonsense to me. And I just like, I'm not judging anybody that did it. Uh, one guy, and I know people want the feeling of helping out the program, right? Like a lot Mm -hmm. of things I saw where people are talking about, Hey, this is a way for me to, to help out the program. I get these kids money, find a better way, find a hundred percent profit way. Well, there, there is no way, right? Is there so, well, you can't right DM now, a player. Tell me, tell if you're, me how if you're I a can. fan, you can't DM a player and say, say, hey, I got uh, I got 300 bucks for you. 
if uh, if you give me a call and talk to me for twenty minutes. I'm. I mean, there would have to be a right. Right. There'd have to be a contract. I mean, there would have to be a, an agreement. Like that's. Well, there. I can't. Yeah. Absolutely. You just send. You just get sizzle. Yeah, I just can't. Uh, Venmo a player. Uh, you know, three hundred dollars for a twenty minute phone call to my no. grandma. No. What if it's a three hundred dollar phone call, or what if it's a three hundred dollar gaming session? You get to play. Uh, you know, Call of Duty with them. I mean, isn't the yeah. re- isn't the Venmo receipt a receipt? A, a contract. I would have liked it if it was An like invoice? something tangible that I could hold or display uh, that I would want to hold or display. Like what if they sold, uh, you know, like a dope ass uh, keychain for my bag that was like, you know, rotten gold or something like gold. Looking yeah, so the, right? the, let it by if the dope ass keychain gives you access to all the to the fun stuff or whatever and you sell the dope ass keychain, then that's not you can't track that anymore. And that's, I guess, the fun stuff. Somebody is the else thing also that I also like, dope ass keychain. But why do exactly I need like your dope ass keychain? It'd be hard. But to if just I'm interested, if I'm interested in players, but if I'm interested in the player access, why am I selling it? Because at some point you have family and you don't need it anymore, and you sell it, right? I does due to you. Does, because, does the whole does this whole concept of player access through this club? Does this sound like something that is? Um, something that's going to last over the next five, six years. I have no idea. I absolutely I, I, have no I, idea. I don't know either. That's why I'm I'm asking if you if you thought if you thought so. So you don't know. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. I I am I'm curious enough to spend two hundred dollars to see what it what it what it gives me. And if it's a whole bunch of nothing, or if it lasts for one season and it was fun, and the next season, you know, they're hitting me up for another $200 to continue my access. Then maybe I, maybe I reevaluate at that time, or maybe I've had such a good time that I think it's worth 200 bucks and I'll do it. I'll gladly do it again. Right. I was, I, just, I was I, very careful throughout this I, whole thing. And I was contacted by Mick Asaf for wanting to know if, you know, if I could do an article, bring my pie. I was brought in to do the Tim Priester stuff. And I, I wanted nothing to do with it. I was very careful about, about, attaching my name or the site's name to any of this and not because I don't, it wasn't for a lack of faith in them. It was because number one, I don't understand. I didn't understand it completely. And you know, someone could teach me about it and, and I have learned a lot about it and I still, am like, I still don't know how much I care about this. And so, but also because I, I'm not trying to insult anybody out there that, that, that is loving this uh, and wants to do that. If this is your thing, that is absolutely fine with me. You think you're this is going to give you the access that you crave and want, and I say that in a good way, and also a way to help the players, then that's fine. It is just 100% not in my wheelhouse or anything that, that I am curious about. Um, so people listening to this, please do not be insulted. It is just not – I did just not my thing. Uh, but. So- so Brendan, you bought a house within what last year? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you know you own that house? Uh, I have a slip of paper that yeah, says a title, that I, right? A title to the house, and I live in the house, and possession is nine tenths of the law. <laughs> so if somebody walked in and said, "I own this house," you'd say, "You're out of your effing mind," right? 
Uh, yeah, because not only do I have proof of it, but also the uh, city and the county, and there's right. uh, title and companies if the, if that the also. Police, if the police were called because you had this guy squatting in your house who claimed he owned your house, you would simply yeah. show them the title to the house and say, "Go check the deed book," and I have the I have the title of the house, right? That I'd, be... I'd probably also shoot him if he was inside <laughs> the house. Okay, fair enough. I so, mean, so if he was shoot. in the physical house that I shoot. live in and castle doctrine me, and all that, okay, uh, that's fine. You know, a roof over my head, a tangible thing like. I could knock on the wall of my house. It's not like you can go on the internet right now and download a picture of my house. Right. So, um, but the point I'm going to make getting is anything from it. One of the the point I'm going to make is somebody had to be the first person to say that paper was worth something, right? Somebody had to be the first person to put together a title of a house and say this means something. It, well, it means the something house. The you house means it, something. The house means something. That's the difference. No, it's like somebody no, buys the, the Mona Lisa. You go to buy the Mona Lisa. ownership, you don't, you don't have a house, right? But it's like if you go and you buy the Mona Lisa, and let's say I pay a million dollars for the Mona Lisa to, to a museum, right, to the Louvre or whatever. And they're like, all right, here's your receipt for the Mona Lisa. And I'll say, all right, well, can I have my Mona Lisa back? Can I have my Mona Lisa now? And they say, well, no, you can't have the Mona Lisa. But here's a receipt that you own the Mona Lisa, and here's a a picture of the Mona Lisa that you can have. And I and I say, well, can't anybody get that picture at the gift shop? And they're like, well, yes, of course. But here's the receipt that says that you own it. But that doesn't mean anything. Like, sure it does. What does it mean? It means I own have, the, you, I own it, the it Mona Lisa. You, it could mean that you have exclusive rights to distribute it. It could mean that you certainly have exclusive rights to be the to but sell I don't it to another have person. Exclusive rights to distribute it because. You can go to the gift shop and buy a copy of. No, that's not Mona that's Lisa. not true. I can go on the because those people have all made they have all made agreements with the Louvre Museum or whoever is the rightful owner of the of the Mona Lisa to reproduce that work and pay a royalty on that. Yes, but I can also go on the internet and download a picture of the Mona Lisa, but it is not the Mona Here, Lisa. The Mona here's Lisa. my here's my problem, gentlemen. Yeah, but we you are don't have literally we are literally comparing some avatar art, right? To Actual real estate, like a house. And by the, and, and by the way, the no, you because you pushed me off my point. But the but by the way, the Mona Lisa doesn't give you access to anything. It might give you no, access but to, you to, own to the, Mona the Mona Lisa. You can hang it up in your house, and there's the Mona Lisa in your I, house. Great, you own the, it. All you can do is own it and sell it. Those are the only two things you can do with the Mona Lisa. And my right. Mono dragon but, with that. But I have I have <clears> lots of like pictures and stuff on my walls um, that have priceless value to me um and i own them and i display them on my walls um that's great you know, and but, someday but, that paper will deteriorate and someday it won't exist and you it won't have it sure will unless it's the mona lisa in which case it's in a hermetically sealed uh and you probably won't own it because you probably don't and you probably won't afford be able to afford it and by the way you won't have providence on it because they're not 100 percent sure that the mona lisa is hanging in the louvre is the actual mona lisa they are not sure, 100%. So let, but get me back to my point, right? Somebody had to be the first person to say that the paper, the title to your house is worth something, right? Well, now, I also live in it in possessions nine-tenths of the law. Um, and the paper, Stop. and not only the paper, but like 
it there's there's laws and it's and Correct. it's not just a paper, but it's it there's laws that exist that they that build something around it, right? And they have and that's exactly how money works, right? Money is a piece of paper. If the government didn't have if wasn't backing it with its full faith and credit, and oh by the way, they're not backing it with the gold standard anymore, no right? If the if the if the government were to collapse or the government shirked its responsibility to maintain its value by letting inflation run amok. The money would just that be would paper, never happen, right? So money mm-hmm. is to borrow Brendan's favorite term is just a social contract. It, it certainly is, is illusion. We use we use things we use it to measure things in an understandable way, right? And so money has value because people believe they'll be able to exchange this money for goods and services in the future. Guess what? That's how this works too. But what can you the buy? Value, <laughs> the value assigned to it is. The value what? that somebody else will will take for it for for purchasing it, and that might oh, be two hundred and one dollars or it might be zero dollars. I'm not sure who's purchasing after the initial <laughs> sale of this leprechaun art. Yeah, I, like I really need to get the leprechaun that has the laser eyeballs. You are so focused on the, the art and so not focused on the access, which is you're missing the entire point of this, which is what mixed hold everyone not to do right don't focus on the shitty art which i said was shitty in the in the front end right it's not about the art it's about the digital token that gets you into the cool things that you want to do you want to go to a cool tailgate you want to go to you want to have ticket you want to have raffle tickets to a game you want to get merchandise you want to you know my thing is that this was a dumb this was a dumb lesson in economics because if you're limiting yourself to 5,555 memberships out of a fan base that is nationwide, if it really comes down to the access, you could have sold, sold way more to saying, here's well, $100 for lifetime access. You would have sold a lot more. You would have made a lot more money without all the nonsense of the ownership of a digital blockchain. Well, then, Josh, you've got it all figured out. So she said, guys, maybe you should do a competing NFT. I don't, don't do it. I'll never get into NFTs. Well, I'm just saying, should, like you should do a competing something where you can get 80 student athletes to sign on to it. But that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be in the competition. I'm saying, but what you're saying is that well, this you're thing saying has, their ideas. The not, access. What, you're, what you're saying is the access is the value. Doing anything. You're saying the access is the value, and that all that it comes with that access is the actual value, not the shitty art. Which I agree right. with. You, which I agree with you. But what I'm saying is, what they did was limit themselves in the monetary gain that they got. By by making it an NFT rather than just saying, here's the Irish Players Club, it's a hundred dollars, here's the access to blah 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 that you get to, they would have sold a lot more and made more money, and it would have kept this whole weird conversation out of the mix. I that's my opinion for sure, but I think it's fucking pretty valid. That's where the the value is is in the access, then offer more access for less and you will get more money. Like the whole point is to get the players paid, which I think is the point, right? Whole point is to find a way to get some, you know, some coin in these guys' pockets. I just think there was a better way to go about it. This is the way they chose. That's fine. That's why I'm trying not to be too publicly against it. I just, <laughs> I just don't. I say I don't care, and I think that's the wrong phrase to use on that. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like if the whole point is to get money in their pockets, I could I would have figured a more straightforward way would have been more profitable. And that is all. Okay. 
That's all I got, guys. Okay. <laughs> Closing tonight out. Jude, what do you got left in the tank? So the women's lacrosse team got back on track today with a nice win over uh, number 13, Virginia. I did find it pretty funny. Um, I don't understand rankings. I mean, you think college football rankings are weird. Uh, Notre Dame lost two close games against ranked teams uh, last year, last week to drop to one and four on the season and actually went up in the rankings from number 17 to number 16. So now they're at two and four and they just beat the number bias. 13 team. ACC buys. Well, I think it speaks volumes about what you know the, what the the pollsters think that this team's going to be by the end of the year, right? So they beat Virginia today. Um, goalie got hurt, so that's always never a great thing. But hopefully, that's just a, a one game dealio. Um, and uh, we'll see on Thursday who who starts in, who starts in net. But uh, way to get them back on track. And um, they had their daughters daughters and dads um, fundraiser for. Uh, shit, beating cancer. Uh, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I don't remember. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure there's still a, an opportunity to give your money to some more of the cause to, you know, cancer research or something. So if you're, if you're so inclined, hit up their uh, Twitter page for more information. I'm sorry. I wasn't a good ambassador for that. Cause I don't, I don't remember what it is, but I should have looked it up. Should have looked it up. Sorry. You, Jude, you've had your hands full tonight explaining NFTs to Jude. <laughs> I don't even know how to do a good job. Gonna, I bet you we're going to get a lot of comments. But uh, Brendan, what do you got left in the tank? Um, well, I'm just – tomorrow's the last day for the Combine, right? Um, so I'm excited for for the Combine to be over, for us to then pivot into the real off season. Um, and just there's with no baseball this year, <laughs> no major league oh. baseball this year. Uh, it is going to be, um, wall to wall, wall to wall, just like every drop that we can get. And you mentioned the, the sort of limited coverage of the spring and whatever, I, you know, I'm kind of on the same page with you, like, um, but I'm um, very much forward looking to uh, getting some height and weights and some body by Bayless uh, before and after comparison photographs <laughs> and just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hyped for the, uh, the silly season to begin in I, earnest on Tuesday. Well, I guess the definition, what's the definition? Of, like I think of silly season and the true off season being uh, May and June. Like those two months are like, right. The, there's no, there's not even the prospect of spring. I mean, May is yeah. the dead, like as far as college football calendar goes, May is pro- probably the deadest month of all. Uh, June starts picking up because of official visits and all that. Uh, but, but it's still like, that's it. May and June are just like, we could talk about like on the podcast, we could talk about really whatever. Uh, that's what I, that's the silly season. That's the that's the fun time. That's our sweet spot. And who knows? Maybe in May we'll do a whole series about NFTs for like five episodes. Well, we're definitely going to have to get on somebody more knowledgeable than me. So <laughs> if we do that, which I don't say, uh, okay. I, don't, I don't believe we will, but I don't believe we will either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just want to let everybody know, uh, like, look, 
it is, it is a it's busy season. Like if you look at the front page of, of one foot down right now, you would barely think that we even knew what football was um, because there's been so much coverage of baseball, women's lacrosse, hockey, basketball. It is it is all going on as much as I absolutely loathe the month, month of March. And I do physically loathe uh, this month. There's still a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but uh, baseball went up to uh, to Minnesota and they they beat all the Big Ten opponents that uh, were put in front of them. Uh, and that's always a good time. Right. Fuck the Big Absolutely. Ten. Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of stuff going on. Uh, check. Uh, check with uh, UND.com UND for um, all the times and, and what's on TV and what's not. Um, and also just a reminder, to everybody, like, look, if you want to catch another. Notre Dame baseball game, which I think middle of March is when they start playing home games. It's free. It is absolutely 100% free. Women's softball, men's women's lacrosse. All this is free to you um, because the only, the only sporting events you have to pay for in Notre Dame right now are football, uh, men and women's basketball, and hockey. And that is it. Everything else is is free access. So go, there's no MLB. <laughs> Fine, go go root on the Irish who uh, who had a hell of a run last season and are looking to do the same this year. You want to talk about weird rankings? Check out baseball rankings where Notre Dame's ranked anywhere between like second and fourteenth. Uh, so <laughs> just just a thought. We had we had uh, you know uh, spring break coming up for the kids, and my my wife and I only got a couple of days really that we can able to do anything with the kids from our work schedules. She's like, find something, find a something up in South Bend uh, to go to, uh, find a game. I'm like, all right. Uh, so the only thing that we could go to is uh, a softball game. We'll see if that happens. Uh, <laughs> that was not as well received as I thought, uh, but we'll we'll see. Just just saying, if you want something going on, there's a whole bunch of free stuff uh, going on at the school uh, during all these spring sports, track and field, the whole thing. Uh, other than that. Stay safe out there. Eat your eat your fish on Fridays. Unless you're Jude <laughs> and do not observe. Uh, you know, the the world's gone crazy in the matter of a couple of weeks. Uh, crazier, anyways. Um, so just uh Go blue. Keep everything in keep Sorry. everything <laughs> Jesus, Desmond. <laughs> you know <laughs> Sorry. Come I, on. I don't I'm not going to defend Desmond Howard on this program. Why would you defend Desmond Howard ever for anything? No. I I just think it was a simple dude had no clue what he was saying. Uh, I'm not going to murder a guy over that, but it was just like the dumbest well, thing. Take a, take a deep <laughs> breath and wonder why your, your buddies. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get no. Trust me. I get the outrage and that sh- should be, but uh, it's just. Sometimes there's just people out there that have no clue. But I mean, it was up. It was up for again, five hours. He doesn't have any friends who can call him and wait, say. The was it? Was it up that long? The best time to delete this tweet is now, and the second best time is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, God, he just he he's got a pretty good uh, feel about putting foot in his mouth, or what do you call that with it when you're when you type it out? Is it butter on fingers or? <laughs> Butterfingers. Toilet paper on fingers? I don't know. Yeah, it's toilet paper stuck to your fingers. 
anyways, uh, yeah, it, the world's nuts right now. So just keep everything in perspective. Just it'd probably do you some good. Um, and that's it. Uh, we'll look forward to, you can probably count on some more off the rails podcasts. I've been saying that for a while, but I'm, I'm trying to get the, uh, uh, scheduling right to, to get some more, some more stuff out there. Uh, I got some stuff planned, so make sure you're downloading that along with, uh, the, with our regular OFT podcast. And that's it, man. I'm just so happy to just so happy to be here. So happy that Brendan was able to, to climb onto the show tonight. We are like the turtles. So happy together. Yeah. <laughs> so a reference so old, Brendan probably doesn't even know what I'm talking about. How would you say that I don't know that uh, Frank Zappa's band, the turtles, who he kicked out because they did drugs? Uh, how, how can you say that I don't know who they are? Uh, and they also did the, the they were also the song to Ernest Goes to Camp. Come on, man. I thought maybe you would know it as the uh, Golden Grams theme song. Do you remember that? No. I, I, do. Uh, I know Ernest. And I do. They they totally rewrote the uh, the lyrics to to be all about Golden Grams. That's Golden Crest. Can't get enough of your Golden Crest. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, <laughs> for Brendan, for Jude, and for Frank Zappa, <laughs> as always. My mother's an invention. <laughs> Uh, Thanks for listening, and go Irish.